What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 95 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. <sighs> something, something, water Pokemon, something, something. That's... 95 episodes in, this guy can't even come up with a new way to even say Even you're tired of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Uh, the Edge Lord with the Heart of Gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey, what's up? And the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. Is Sean See, still the Guildmaster? Well, oh, that's true. I shit. guess I have to change it I up I mean, now. it's not like the Guild disbanded. I, I still exist. I just stopped playing. <laughs> but are you still their master? Always. Dude, in Always. spirit, you know, a liege never dies. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to kick this show off the way we sometimes do by talking about what we're playing this week. And uh, I finally got a chance to pick up Wargroove, and I am addicted. I picked the game up yesterday, and I think I've already put in like six hours or something like that. It's like, oof, this game is fun. It's And it's tough. Like, I'm in the second chapter now, and I finally hit that point where, like... Because I've seen, like, a lot of people, like, or I've talked to people casually who've been like, man, I really wish there was, like, an undo button. Like, mm-hmm. it's really easy to mess up, like, an hour's worth of work with, like, one bad move. And I'm just like, maybe you just need to get good. And now I'm just like, oof. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. This game is difficult. <laughs> it's fucking, it's classic Advanced Wars strategy. Right on there. the <laughs> other hand, maybe you just need to get good. I do. I do just need to get good for sure. But, like, fuck. Whew, this game is tough. Like, I feel like I'm regularly in a situation where I'm only able to make one, uh, like, new battalion a turn, but, like, my enemy's making, like, three. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? How do you play? Uh, cry. I'm sorry? How do you play? What do you mean? So, uh, this is an extremely basic question, but what are the, like, what are the mechanics of the game? I, I only saw the trailer. Okay. So, have you ever played Advance Wars or, like, Fire Emblem or any game like that? So, it's very similar to Advance Wars, obviously, um, where, like, basically every, like, level is you're on a map, there's your group of guys, you usually have, like, a commander, and, like, they'll start you with, like, you know, maybe two or three other units, and then there are, um, your enemies obviously have the same thing, usually at the other side of the map. Sometimes they come at you from multiple angles, it depends. Um... And you have basically, like, towns that are strongholds, barracks where you can spawn new units, and you're only allowed to spawn one per turn, uh, depending on how many barracks you have. It's, like, one per barrack per turn. Um, And then there are either your commander or, like, your stronghold, and the way to win an encounter is to kill the the enemy's commander or capture their stronghold. And it's like, you know, you're solid, like, there's a grid, and certain units, like, have different movement power and different attack power, and there's, like, a whole, like, really intricate rock-paper-scissors-style, like, you know, like, oh, pikemen beat these kinds of units, and archers beat these kinds of units, and dogs beat these kinds of units, and... Yeah, the dogs are a big deal. Um, they're like they're like your scouting nice. units, but they're also, like, if you put them in pairs of two, they deal, like, real heavy crit damage, so, like... They're, they're pretty useful, um, but they're squishy. I'm going to be <laughs> totally honest right now on this podcast. When you said Wargroove, I thought yeah. about the rhythm game that they showed 
at oh. the indie oh. showcase or whatever. The 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 metal yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a better name for that well, game. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, wow. It's such a confusing name for a game, and I, my mind just automatically went to that one because I was like, oh yeah, I really wanted to play that. I didn't realize it was out. Pete's about to sell me on it. This game. I mean, it actually does look pretty cool, and I like what you just said. I like that there are dogs. And they made a it's tight. Um, they made a conscious decision. <laughs> they wear armor. Every other unit in the game dies when it dies, and the dogs just run away. What? Oh shit! The trailer <laughs> has the dogs. That's awesome. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, one of your commanders is like the main character's dog, and his name is Caesar, and he's just like a big white Saint Bernard-looking dog who's in like full plate armor, and it's fantastic. And he has his own little side adventures. He's a, he's a commander. <laughs> yeah, he's a commander Can in the he army. Talk? Oh. No, but he like, but he leads his own battalion of men. Of men. So this is beautiful. Yeah, of men. This is beautiful. <laughs> I might need to mess with this game. It's 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 worth every penny. I think like it's it's thirty bucks, so it's like a little more expensive than the average indie title. But like, I'm really glad that they had the like. The balls, frankly, to charge that much for it because it's worth it. It's got 50 hours of in-game content and it's got a really robust level editor where you can make your own levels and add dialogue. Wait, did they? And, like, did they change the price? You know, and like you can. Yeah, yeah it was it was 20, 20 on Steam. when I bought it on Switch. Oh, it's yeah. only 20. Maybe you oh, overpaid. Maybe, maybe I'm. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah maybe there was a discount when it first launched or maybe i just misremembered but if it's 20 bucks it's even a better deal um but yeah sean you can add your own dialogue and you can download other people's levels so like there's seemingly a limitless amount of content in this game and you can get in there and fuck around and like you know make a level you know and like make you can like have cutscenes and stuff too where like if you get to a certain point of the map an event triggers like or like reinforcements come or like you know somebody's like ah curse you you know like like you can really like totally customize it to to whatever you want which is fucking tight that's sick i love it yeah um it's it's a very good game i'm glad you're finally getting with the present on this one pete i know i literally bought it like the day like i preloaded it on my switch before launch, and then didn't play it until yesterday. You dweeb. Like, I, I get weird with starting games. Like, I have, like, a lot of, like, anxiety about it. Because whenever I start a new game, it's like, I gotta, I gotta be in the right mindset, you know? And, like, I need to be able to, like, sit and play it for a little while. Because, like, I don't want to have my first impressions being, like, negative. Because I wasn't, like, in the good mood. Or because, like, I was distracted or whatever. It's like, I gotta just focus on it for a little bit whereas like i had a point like i was hanging at my girlfriend's house and like a bunch of you know um she lives with two of my friends and andy's sister is over as well and like everybody had a moment where they were all on their switch and i was like oh my god it's the commercial <laughs> we're living the commercial and i was like fuck it i'm just gonna pull out my switch and start playing wargroove and i and then i literally haven't put it down since then like i got like the <laughs> it's the first time Sarah's ever done this to me where she just like she kind of like nudged me and was just like hey you know it's like maybe maybe like participate like we're all hanging out now I know I know we were all playing Switch all day but like maybe it's time to actually like no. interact with a person and I'm like mm-hmm. ah, but what, what, one more level one more level <laughs> nah 
That's why we have, you know, Discord and the computer. That's how you interact now. You don't need to, to, to like, you, listen, you, you're you going to see your girlfriend again, right? You're going to see our friends again, right? The, the Switch will one day degrade into nothingness as the That's components true. die. Thompson, the Switch is not all. I don't know what you're Well, yeah, the new versions of it. But currently, you know, it's like his specific I Switch. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I, I was just gonna say, uh, I, I feel like the Switch outliving all of us says more about our general <laughs> health levels than it does about the longevity of the Switch. That's where my mind So uh, yeah, so I'm I'm really enjoying Wargroove. Thompson, you got to pick this game up. Yeah, Sean, yeah. you should grab it too. But Thompson's been talking about it. Oh, this is one of the reasons I went to buy a Switch. It is. It's like, yo, yeah. get the game, dude. I know you'll yeah. love it. You I will love it. Haven't turned oh, my Switch on in like over two months. I'm a savage. Have... I'm so sorry. So Pete, <laughs> <laughs> this is why Reggie. Oh God, <laughs> that's why Reggie's retired. <laughs> <laughs> you failed him, Thompson. You fucking failed I know. him. Oh, but Sean, you've been playing your uh, your Switch this week. You've been playing a little Tetris 99. I sure have. Oh, man. Uh, so I've said this on the show before. A friend of mine and I have been playing Tetris like crazy lately. Puyo Puyo Tetris. I'm still <laughs> on the demo. I only played the demo. I haven't purchased the actual <laughs> game. Um, and, it's, and it's perfectly fine. But I wanted more Tetris. And I, I finally um, set up my Switch Online account, which was the biggest hassle, because I wanted to unlock, uh, what's his name, Piranha Plant in Smash Brothers. So I did that, and I, I noticed, oh man, there's free games, what the hell? Uh, so Tetris 99 was free, and the NES emulator was free, which I also got. So, But I, I put on Tetris 99, I had no idea what it was at all. It, it's like a... It's like a, a battle royale in Tetris. Yeah, it's the best. I, I literally, I think it was, yeah, I guess you missed the, the show where we talked Last about week. it for the first time. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I some people are calling it the battle royale of the decade. Namely, me is calling it that, but I think it's, this is the Fortnite killer we've been promised. Forget Apex Legends, Tetris 99 is where it's I at. can't even believe how fun that game is. It's fucking great, isn't yeah. it? Like I didn't realize I needed this, but I did, apparently. And I really can't stop playing it. I I, I play my Switch now every day. Like between that and Smash Brothers, I'm playing and Mario Kart actually. I'm playing constantly. And the best part about Tetris ninety nine, and you guys already talked about it, so I won't go on like a tangent. But the best part about it is A, it's free. Uh B, it's simple. And C, when you lose you get right back into another game. There's no, like, you don't have to wait around. You don't have to. Yeah, the the load times are insane. Like, it's like you're you're having, like, a, maybe a minute between each match. Yeah, like, like normally if I'm waiting for a match in Smash, not really Smash Brothers, but, like, if you know, if I'm waiting around, I'll pull out my phone and I'll play, like, Marvel Strike Force, like a quick node or whatever while I'm waiting for something. You can't do that with Tetris 99. The match is on... Almost immediately. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it's... I, I just, like... <laughs> the week that it came out, I didn't play any other video games. Like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is out, and I'm so, like, in that mode of, like, God, I just want to get back to playing it. 
But I every time I have a minute, I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna play like a game of Tetris, and, and then it's you know, an hour. and then I and then it's like, f- yeah, or like two hours, mm-hmm. or like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> basically, I play until I feel my motor skills decline. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I should have, I shouldn't have made that mistake. I gotta stop playing. Now let's talk <laughs> competitions. Who has won a round of Tetris 99? I haven't. I have. Nice. Number one contender. I've done it a couple times now, too. I think I've done it three times, maybe? Four no, times? Uh, I've come in second a couple times, but I haven't won. Okay. I have not won either. <clears throat> it is brutal. It gets. What's the highest you've gotten? <sighs> My best is fifth place. Okay. That's solid, though. Yeah, it's dude, so when you fast. get to the end, though, it's like... It's fucking intense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really fast. And it's like... Normal Tetris is hard when you're at that level because you need to be thinking like you know a move ahead. But like, let alone the fact when it's like, oh my god, they're attacking me! What am I gonna do? Like, <laughs> that's what takes it to it's, another it's level. Because yeah. normal Tetris, it's insane. Right, yeah, you gotta think a step ahead. But when they're also attacking you, so you're getting you're getting smothered and you didn't even do anything wrong. It's brutal. There's absolutely brutal. But I'm ha- the most stressful experience in gaming is the 10 seconds in Tetris 99 before the garbage you've been thrown ends up on your screen where you can just see it there. And it's like, oh, I just cleared my screen. I have literally nothing to do to cope with this right now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it is it 10 seconds? I don't, like, is it always? It feels like 10, 10 seconds. 10 seconds. That's just a guess. Um, But I don't know. that That period where it's just like, when the garbage is going to take you into the danger zone and your screen starts flashing, even though you still have, like, just, you know, yeah. a little bit of a couple blocks left at the bottom from, like, the four lines you just cleared. It's like, oh, great. This is fun. I have another question. Do you guys know if there's any way to direct your attacks? Yes. So, uh, you know how when you first load in the game... Uh, there's that little wheel at the top, and it says random, KO, whatever. If you switch that with the right stick, you can be like, I want to attack at random. I want to go for KOs. I want to go for badges. I want to attack the people who are attacking me. Oh. And like that's the most control you have over it, but the sm- like the smaller the pool of players, the more directed right, that gets. Right, right. So how do you guys, what do you, what do you set it to? My strategy is usually I start aggressive, like I'll go for badges first, and then once I have a badge, then I back off, because when you are more aggressive, it invites more people to attack you, and that's a really easy way to get knocked out in like the first 25, is if you're too aggressive and you're not playing well. Um, So if you get the badge early, it doubles your damage. But if you just go back to randoms, people start leaving you. So having a badge doubles your damage. Not a badge. By killing someone with a badge. Killing someone with a badge? Yeah, or if you just knock somebody out, you can get a badge. But the easiest way to get badges is by attacking people that have badges. How do they get the badge? You get a badge for knocking someone out. By knocking people out. And then if you knock out someone with badges, you get all of their badges. Oh. Yeah. So it steamrolls. That's interesting. Oh, man. Okay, cool. Well, you know what? That changes the whole I, game. Um, it's been a great podcast. Uh, I gotta play. <laughs> well, you know what? Don't worry, Sean. There's very little to talk about this week. This is the slowest news week we've had since the like the drought that you get around like Christmas time or whatever. It's like 
very little to talk about this week, so you sh- it sh- we shouldn't be keeping so, you from Tetris 99 so for too long. <laughs> We're on the Tetris-related questions now. And I know you have a PSVR sitting at home collecting yes. dust. Have you... Oh, you don't anymore. You sold Actually, it. Actually, I mind. don't anymore. I, I was going to ask if you tried oh, Tetris yeah. Effect, which I've heard is really cool. I know. I really want to play it, and that was like the first time since I got rid of my VR where I'm like, oh, man. I, I, I don't think Oculus, it is. I think it's a PS4 you know? exclusive. Fuck. Because <laughs> if it was on Oculus, I'd just make Mike get it, but I guess I'm, I'm, guess I'm shit out of luck. Um... But yeah, uh, it's weird. It's weird that in 2019, Tetris had two, like, major... Or was that last year, I guess, now, at this point? Either way, within the last six months, there were two major <laughs> Tetris re- releases, which is just... It's a beautiful time to be alive. <laughs> is Tetris not the most enduring game of all time? I I personally think it's the best. If I had to pick one game as definitively the best game, I don't know that there's any game that's as infinitely entertaining as Tetris. Tetris is, like, itself a pillar of gaming community that can never be, you know, usurped practically. I'm, I'm almost under the impression that it might be one of the greatest games, like, the greatest game of all time. Like, I, like, I don't know that there's a better puzzle game, period. It's so and timeless, I think it's, though. You can, like, anyone yeah. can play it throughout... 20 yeah. years from now, 100 years from now, and it would still probably resonate as a great game. I'm Because it's, it's just fun. It just works, you know? It just works. I'm generally <laughs> of the belief that, like, you could have, like, any one of, like, the five best arcade games ever just be the only game you played forever and be fine with yeah. it. Personally, I'd go Ms. Pac-Man, but Tetris is a fine contender. I'd say that's number two in my mind because I just like Tetris more. Yep. I could definitely I like do Pac-Man. Tetris till the end of time. But I, I'm with you on that one. Like Pac-Man's another game like that where it's like it's so it's rewarding. It's, it's simple, but it's got a it, amazing hook. You know, you'll it's yeah, you'll it's love challenging. It. <laughs> and like the aesthetic is good because that's a big part of Tetris too. Is like the blocks are are pleasing to look at and the music is good. Yep. And, like, any bells or whistles you add to it, like, battle mode, like, head-to-head, like, any of those things, like, just make it more interesting. But it doesn't need any of those things. Basic Tetris is still fucking fire. Yeah, that's my one complaint about Tetris 99 is that there's not also, like, an infinite mode I can flip into to just practice Tetris. Well, then it probably wouldn't be free. But if (laughs) if you look at it, though, right, like, Tetris has been also one of the most malleable games of all time because you can fit it into whatever's hot you can have a version of tetris that plays that way like battle royale is in right now so you're just like all right tetris battle royale come Which on in itself absurd concept if someone told me they're like yeah. i'm gonna pitch you a battle royale tetris <laughs> game i would laugh but when they when they first when they first announced it, I, I my first reaction was like, "What? Like, how the fuck is that gonna work?" And then I played it, and I was like, "This is fucking brilliant. This is a brilliant game." And then it's so obvious, right? Like you're like, "Oh yeah, of course this would make sense," but only <laughs> yeah. the geniuses at Tetris thought of it. Yep. Yeah, I, Tetris is is I, I think like you you said it best there, Sean. It's like it's a surprisingly enduring game. Like it's it just it just holds up, and 
the, I don't know that I've ever played like a bad version of Tetris either. Like, oh, like even like when EA made like um, they had like a free mobile version of it that was like ad supported. Like I played that on my like, I, every phone I've ever had has had Tetris on it. You know, and it's just like bomb. Like, yep, this is perfect. It's the perfect game for ten minutes or ten hours. But what I love about Tetris ninety nine is the competitive element of it makes it way more like one more game, one more game, one more game for me. Because I want to be the best, and I care more about that than, like, a score, you know? Like, being like, oh, I came in first. Like, it's like, it's a rush, you know? Like, it, it really reminds me of getting that chicken dinner in PUBG where you're just, like, that last moment where you're like, oh, it's just me and one other person. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. <laughs> and, and, like, so much. Yeah. And, like, you either keep it cool and win or you panic and lose, and you're like, you know what? That was my fault, and I gotta get better. I love it, man. It's the best. It's gaming at its finest, dude. It's clean, you know? It's like clean. No bells, no whistles. You don't need a, a story. You don't need HD graphics. It's just quality. Just fucking quality, mono a mono gameplay. <laughs> Tetris Can't beat it. story mode. I'm ready for it. There was a game like that. I don't know if you remember. It was a launch title on the Xbox 360, and it had a story mode about, like, weird Tetris aliens. It was fucking whack. I don't But it was Tetris, this. so I played it. I think it was called Tetris... Tetris Origins. Somebody, somebody... So, if somebody let me know. Somebody look this up and, and write into us for next week, because somebody out there has to remember that goddamn game. It came with my 360. I got a Star Wars game with my 360. <laughs> <laughs> I got Marvel Ultimate Alliance and Tetris whatever World I think or something like that. Worlds, oh shit, yeah. Was that it? I, Tetris World. Remember that name? At least you didn't get Bomberman Zero. Oh no, no. I'm pulling out. I'm pulling out. We're done. We're not talking about Bomberman Zero. Talk about great he, arcade games. We never that overcome the sins of our past unless we remember them. <laughs> We're going to talk about that this week, actually. So, <laughs> All right. So I guess uh, – oh, sorry. Uh, if you want to write in and let us know what the highest score you've gotten on Tetris 99 is or where we can download your sick Wargroove levels, make sure you hit us up. Uh, we're <laughs> we've, uh, you can drop us a line at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Uh, go hit up our sister show at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, uh, or just hit us in those comments down below and confirm the title of this Tetris game for me. Okay, this is my this is my request to you this week, listeners. So with that, I guess that means it's time for the news. The news. We talking about the news. The news. The news. We talking about the news. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is we got a we got a packed news list this week, you guys. Five items, two of them rumors. So Ooh. that's how you know we're in good shape. Wow. But uh, kicking things off, uh, the live action Halo TV series has found a director and ordered nine episodes for the live action adaption of you know Microsoft's kind of flagship series. Uh, so Otto Bathurst. Uh, or Bathurst, I guess, uh, who is known for working on Black Mirror and Robin Hood, is uh, is going to be directing the pilot and multiple episodes of the nine-episode series. Uh, Steven Spielberg is still attached to produce. He's been attached to this for, like, 15 years or something like that. It's finally coming out. Um, Kyle Killen, 
who uh, worked on the series Lone Star and Awake, uh, has, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, Kyle Killen, who's worked on uh, a couple sci-fi series, Lone Star and Awake, uh, is going to be serving as executive producer, writer, oh and showrunner. Oh my god, Awake was the worst television show I've ever seen. Okay, so that's great. Um, so we got a, we got a mixed bag of pedigree here's, here. <laughs> here's the premise of Awake. A police officer is in a car accident, and when he goes to sleep, he wakes up in one timeline where his wife survives, and then when he goes to sleep in that timeline, wakes up in a separate one where his daughter survived the car accident. Yo, I liked this show. Oh, I hated that show. <laughs> I liked it. I, you know why I liked it? Mixed I liked bag. it because the, the premise was bonkers. And I just love things like that. That's that's up my alley. But I could see why you wouldn't like it. it yeah, like, he doesn't have a heart. The the premise was insane, and I appreciate that. But oh man, did the show just not work for me? Understandable. Well, we got a chance here for it to be good, man. I mean, uh, like there's there's some you know there's some there's some good uh, there's some good people working on this. I don't know, like. I part of me feels like it's kind of too late for this, but another part of me feels like they could make a good Halo show. Like Halo's got like a fun universe. There's a rich lore there. Like there, there's a lot you could do, <laughs> depending on what time, especially they want to start with the show. Like they could, you know, oh, it's one little war early on, or it's a whole timeline. Maybe they could, you know, s- spread it out. Over I'm pretty sure Chief's gonna be in it. Yeah, but Chief's in. Fucking every game, so it's like the timeline of the Halo universe. A lot's happened in every game. <laughs> you know, it's like depending on where they want to refresh put my him. memory. Refresh my memory, Thompson. Yeah. In the first game, is that the first time he Chief is unveiled? Well, or is you're he being playing unfrozen him, frozen at the you, beginning of the like, game. The Spartans have been around, and Chief yeah has been around. Like he's been around and done stuff before yeah, yeah. that, right? Yeah, but the okay. first game is like, oh shit, it's Halo, and like here you are, and you're a super soldier. But as far as the lore goes. You've been rocking shit left and right. And um, I'm pretty sure that, like, you came back from, like, an operation just before that that, like, succeeded. And, like, it was like, oh, my God, like, we lost 99 of the 100 Spartan 2s and, like, we're on the way back. And that's why the game starts off with you being chased by a bunch of bullshit and having to jump out. I'm pretty sure that's where the timeline picks up. So you could start it anywhere, really. I mean, you could start beforehand. There's a lot of shit that they ever talked about. There's... It says that it's going to be in the 26th century conflict between humanity and the alien threat known as the Covenant. So is that pre the original Halo, you think? Or? 26th century is 2500, so uh, I don't know the timeline years as well as I should, but I don't know. Let's see. Interesting. Well, uh, the game or the series is set for a 2020 release, so not too far off. I mean... It's like, I guess they're going to spend this year shooting and then in post-pro, you know, mm. and then we'll get it maybe early 2020, which could be interesting because I feel like that is something we're going to talk about later in the show is like the timing of the next Xbox and uh, Halo Infinite, which is going to be like the next big Halo title. Yeah. So I wonder if all of those things are going to kind of launch around the same time. So like 2511, the character you play as the spartan john he's born and by like 2030 or 2530 you're in the spartan project as far as the lore goes okay so like the war like the reach battle which is like one of the big ones that like we had a game on and everything that's like 2550 
So okay. it's really like the, the So entire... it's really anywhere in the timeline yeah. of the games that's already kind of been established. Right, and I don't think the war ends until like 2557, so like, yeah. <laughs> it's the whole war. <laughs> as far as that timeline goes. <clears throat> I am so much more invested in Halo's story than the game. Um, I yeah, yeah, I love the Halo story. I've read the Wikipedia page like three times. Um, <laughs> I watched. Did you ever I watch that one YouTuber? It does nothing but like deep Halo lore videos. Wait, that uh, exists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. You gotta send me I'll, that. I'll send it to you. Oh yeah, man, he's, he's got like everything you can imagine, and it's like here's ten minutes on why this one soldier from the flood looks the way it does, oh. and I'm like, okay. Sell me. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I definitely. I'm sorry, see I don't remember it. your name, buddy, but I will find it. <laughs> yeah, that is a must. Uh, so because I feel that way, a Halo TV show is right up my alley. I can see why you feel like it's too late because obviously Halo is not as prevalent as it was. But I think that if if the sh- first of all if the show is good, people will watch it whether it's Halo or nothing. You know. Like, no name brand. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's enough clout with Halo, the Halo name, that people will show up to check it out and give it a chance. If it's bad, though, I don't think it lasts beyond, you know, a few episodes. A a, yeah, a season at most. Yeah. I feel that way, too. Like, I'm, I'm totally in to give it a shot. Because, like, I love Halo. You know, like, I don't love what Halo is now, but, like... In its heyday, I was a big fan of Halo. You know, the first four Halo games were, like, I played the shit out of them, you know? So, like, yeah, man, like, I, I've I've wanted Halo to come back in a big way for a while now. You know, like, since Reach was really the last one that I felt like, that was Bungie's last game with them. I felt like that was really the last time that it was what it used to be. And I, I would love for Halo to come back in a big way and, and like make a splash and like a good TV show timed around a good game. What's a better way to do it than that? A lot of people agree with you on the reach thing. You know, like that's around the last time that people were quite happy with the series. So yeah. Four and five. Can I just, so, so can I, can I just throw this out there? Um, Thompson linked us the, the YouTube page that he mentioned. It's actually in an Xperia, just a little shout out. First thing I notice on the upload side of this uh, YouTube channel, the Flood versus the T virus and G virus, Resident Evil, yeah. which in fact <laughs> would win. You guys have no idea how much I am waiting to watch that video. Oh, dude, I this this channel I love. This is the kind of shit that I, I waste time on in the bathroom, and I'm like, let me learn about the Flood or Covenant. <laughs> one thing about it that's just so dumb that I don't even think anyone's ever going to care. Uh, I think <laughs> we have to cancel the rest know. of the podcast so Sean can play Tetris while watching these videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that combines... Yeah, but... Sean's... I was going to say, Sean's got his whole oh, Sunday planned oh, yeah. out. This is great. That actually combines my two favorite franchise video game franchises in which I don't actually play the games, I just love the lore. Resident Evil and Halo. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. Oh, oh my beautiful. god. That's fantastic. <laughs> Alright, so moving right along, we've got Google back in the news. Um, 
uh, with their kind of like rumored Yeti project that we talked about uh, last year at this point. Um, so apparently they are going to be finally revealing details about the what everybody seems to you know it's a streaming service of some kind um, at the next game developers conference in San Francisco, which is going to be uh, in March. So it's you know we're right around the corner here. Uh, they're having a keynote March nineteenth at ten a.m. Pacific time. Uh, where they're you know going to be basically f- officially revealing whatever this project is to the press, and uh, the invite that they sent out included the tagline "Gather around," and uh, and a, an, an image of what appeared to be a darkened hallway leading toward a lighted exit. Ooh. Uh, and then the some of the <laughs> some of the rumors around this. Um, and I'm pulling from the Polygon article on the subject by uh, Michael McWhorter, so you know, go give him a click. But um, this is a quote from the article. It says, Google is reported to be working on a, quote, subscription-based game streaming service that could work either on Google's Chromecast or possibly a Google-made console, according to a report from the information. That project is reportedly codenamed, quote, Yeti. A follow-up report from Kotaku indicated that Google was uh, pursuing a streaming service paired with hardware and a, quote, aggressive effort to acquire or attract game developers to Google's platform. Uh, so we we know a little bit about this project because you know they they unveiled their project stream in October last year, and Andy actually got a chance to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey yeah, that it, way, and it ran surprisingly like, well. It's funny, the uh, in the Polygon article it says, we called Project Stream's performance, quote, surprisingly great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, that seemed to be the general consensus is that it works really, really well. Yeah. So um, they recently gave me a, a free copy of Assassin's Creed Odyssey for playing it there to, like, run on Uplay on my computer. And honestly, it ran better over Project Stream than it did running. Wow here locally yeah like my laptop's kind of old so that's to be expected but but like that's a proof of that speaks volumes about how good the tech yeah yeah for sure that you could literally run a game that doesn't really work on your hardware better by a stream in a fucking google chrome browser rather than actually running it on your hardware is like what the fuck dude (sighs) that's uh technology's come a long way yeah that's cool but when I think about, for example, my girlfriend's internet, she only lives uh, two two or three blocks away from me. Her internet would not ha- be able to handle that. In Manhattan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly not a perfect system, but if you live in a place with solid internet, like, I feel like there's a real, there's a real, like, potentially valuable proposition Google could make here. Yeah, I don't think, um, I don't necessarily think this is DOA or anything, but it's going to be really interesting. Internet infrastructure is a realistic barrier to it becoming ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested to see what the reaction's like when this thing officially gets announced. Yeah, like once we have a price point and all that sort of stuff, like, I I think all those things are really going to be interesting questions to be answered but like we talked about it when they first revealed this back in october like if anybody can make this work it's google they have so many resources in alphabet that like just look at what they do with youtube they make they take a million dollar loss on youtube every year 
or multi-million dollar loss on YouTube every year, but they're happy to do it to like own the video platform on the internet and be like, we'll figure out how to monetize it eventually. Yeah, and like, years. yeah, but it's like, how easy would it be for them to do that with games too? Of just like, yeah, we'll invest in this now because we believe in the future. Like if it's not us with fiber, it'll be somebody else who can deliver more, you know, um, stable internet to broader parts of the country, you know, to like specifically city, like, you know, densely populated city areas. And then like the country, you know, like those are the places where it's a problem. If you live in the suburbs, most places in the internet, you can get solid high speed internet, you know? Um, so it's really just like those kind of last pockets of bad web that are keeping stuff like this from becoming like way, way more, I don't want to say like sustainable, but like, viable you know like as an actual alternative and if google invests in it now and gets it going in the places where it works and we have they have evangelists who are like yeah this is a great service and it's cheap and it's affordable and like all you need is good internet in five years ten years when the internet infrastructure is like working in their favor who's to say right like and they can play that long fucking con they have the money i've i've made this argument in the past, I'm not going to belabor it much, but I, America's internet infrastructure is really bad. And I think people who don't experience that or have a context for it underestimate how bad it is. And when you compare it to other countries, it's it's pretty surprising where we're at, how behind we are. Yeah. And um, I think that that's... I'm interested in how much I want to hear Google talk about that problem and how much of a barrier it's been for them and what their plans are to deal with that, if they have plans to deal with it at all. Hmm. Probably. <clears throat> I would I would just probably guess that Google has that knowledge at least locked away, but as far as like plans to do kind of work on that, I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't seek that avenue right away. I feel like for them as the service provider of this project, it would probably just be like, well, we'll worry about that after like we get this off the ground. And that's just, I don't think they have the power to like change internet's uh, capabilities structure and, and provide, like make the ISPs like actually, you know, um, uh, fix certain things that are wrong or whatever, because most of it is really under the banner of like just, you know, two or three major companies. And uh, unfortunately, like the, the problem is more uh, ingrained in the way that it's provided rather than like, you know, like the, the, the structure of it's not great. Like you're saying, like down the street from you could be totally different, like a block away in Manhattan. And that's bullshit. But like, um, that's really, I, I don't think Google's ever going to be able to fix that part of it oh. as much as I want them to. Like, we'll be able to, like, you know, have a service that people can, you know, maybe they could, they could leverage power into those scenarios, is what I'm saying. But I don't think they're ever going to. Yeah, all like, I They have the capability to do that. All I meant was, it'll be interesting to see how, what, what Google has in place to accommodate that problem. Yeah, or if yeah. they do. If that's, like, you and that's, that's that they're what I mean. concerned about. I don't think that know? they do have anything in place, because, like, I don't think that that's their concern. I think their concern is making this service work first and then going from there. Um, I mean, Pete, you bring, bring up YouTube and like, that's a great example, but it's also a good example for the flip side that like, it is 
a broken system that they just keep on because one yep. day they'll fix. So it's not like it's their number one, you know, like, listen, if they really wanted to, they could be like, all right, well, here's how we monetize it for, for better or for worse, you know? Um, right. So like, but like not without changing the nature of the platform, yeah, exactly. which is something that they're not willing to, to compromise. So honestly, the way I see this, like the way they design something is they have an, a, a, an idea, they design it around like this philosophy and like that philosophy has to now fit into the system rather than them changing whatever they made to work into the already made system. So, and that's great. That changes a lot of things on the, the macro level too, over time. But I don't think that they tend to act on those things very well. So and that's just my little criticism of Google. <laughs> I I liked the, the Project Stream Beta. It worked really well for me. But I think that this project is dead for the same reason that this project is the first of the three that we're going to get being announced. Is cause, well, why do you think it's dead? Uh, Google's not as good at cloud as Amazon or Microsoft is, and they're both coming out with cloud services. Yeah, they're, uh, they're not as good at it, but technically now, like... I really think the technology is at a point where you don't necessarily have to be as good at it because if you just put with more money into it, I mean, you can kind of win. With the uh, the internet infrastructure issue Sean was discussing, the name of the game is how like how can you maximize your cloud computing bandwidth, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Microsoft's Azure is fucking everywhere. Um, also, Microsoft has like the um the history in the gaming space as well where like they're already ahead of google in terms of partnerships and owning studios and you know like working with xbox and nintendo and like google's playing catch up against right. microsoft who already has better tech and we're gonna talk later about the rumors of microsoft's e3 announcements and i think that's absolutely why this is coming at gdc Instead of E3, uh, Google wants to get on the ground and be able to say, hey, look, we have this thing before it gets swallowed by the bigger announcements. And I think sure, uh, Google's stream won't like Google <clears throat> kept Google Plus alive for probably six years longer than it should have. And so I don't think this is going to go anywhere anytime soon, but I don't think it's ever going to take off. No, but yeah, I, uh, I think there's something to that. I can see where you're coming from too. A lot of things, uh, you know, they're they're put into the wild, and it, like you said, the Google Plus thing, I actually like forgot that even existed. <laughs> so, like, it's not like it won't go away. I mean, it, it makes sense too. Like when they're working on stuff, a lot of times they're playing catch up. We could see with like the VR uh, sets that had come out. It was like what the fuck, Google Glass or something. Yep. Uh, it, like you know, great. These are all great ideas. A lot of the things that they're working on, but it, a lot of times it's kind of like. Well, the other company that specializes in this or has more history in this or has the, the, the scope of this project is already working on it or, you know, ha has just got a better version of it. So not that Google's isn't good, but a lot of times they are just catching up. And we see time and time again when things like that happen that they yeah. don't have the the mind space once it comes out. Like, it works and it's fine, but people are like, oh, of the three, you know, like, Google's one doesn't really fit for us, so... Yeah, like there's someone else who's doing it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I wonder if that's going to be the same thing for this one now. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The fact yeah, that Chrome is everywhere is what gets me. Like, that's a big deal. That does help. That's a more ubiquitous thing that they provide compared to, like, Microsoft does have every operating system, but everything on the internet runs Chrome pretty much. So it's a interesting trade-off between the two people working on a system like this. They both have... 
excelled at what they want to do, and they're both trying to work on something that one clearly has a small advantage on, but... Oh, technical stuff gets me. <laughs> <laughs> so, next up this week is uh, a piece of news that, you know, I report with a heavy heart, but it's it's ultimate ultimately good news for uh, for our man. Nintendo of America's president, Reggie Fields-Ame, the most ready man in the gaming industry, uh, is, is set to retire from his role uh, that he's held for more than 15 years. Um, so, I, I think... Obviously, there was a huge reaction to this news. People love Reggie, uh, us included. And uh, he, he released a, a really nice video on Twitter where he was kind of thanking the fans and, you know, talking about his time at Nintendo. Uh, what, what did you – what was your reaction to this news, you guys? I – Abject sadness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess, like – Sadness isn't necessarily the right word for me, at least. It was more like sort of surprise and also like, oh, that's, 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 you know, that sucks, but it's also cool. And I mean, Reggie, I felt like Reggie was always there, you know, like I, yeah. I can't remember not seeing Reggie be involved in, in Nintendo or being the guy to disseminate Nintendo related information. He's the face, you know. I mean, At least yeah. I mean, I was here. eleven years old when he joined the company. Yeah, you know? that's incredible. Um, and even with that, I feel that I never really knew much about him. But he's also the most recognizable, at least that I can think of, for me, the most recognizable face in gaming. Like he, he is the face of gaming for me. Yeah, yeah, man, I feel you on that. He's, like, definitely, when I, it's he's, like, that wholesome part of gaming where you're always like, ah, oh, Reggie, he's come here to bless us every every time he talks, you know, and like, <laughs> hearing he, him leaving immediately, I was, like, I was struck, but, like, I know it's for his, he's got, he's got such a good heart, he's gonna go home and take care of his kids and his family, and they're gonna be so happy that Reggie's back, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They'll be just as happy like, to spend time with him as we were. Yeah, yeah, and, like, I don't know, like, we just watched the video ourselves, like, to catch up on the the last part of it, but the ending to that is just so fucking touching and wholesome, so it's like two minutes of your life, I highly recommend it. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's it's great, and it really just nails, like, the the experience of it. It's It wraps it up in a nice little package, and it's like, it's gonna be okay, man. Dude, I, it's great. I, like, I, that's the thing with me, is, like, I'm so sad about this news, because I really do love Reggie as, like, a character, and mm. I feel like he's been a really uh, important, um, he's been an important, like, leader there. You know, there's a lot of a lot of decisions that I don't know that would have happened without his, his leadership. Um, but, I, I, like, reading this quote that he gave out, uh, this is from the Business Wire article on the subject, as well as the video that he read, uh, it's just, it's, it's really touching. Uh, so he said, Nintendo owns a part of my heart forever. It's a part that is filled with gratitude for the incredibly talented people I've worked with, for the opportunity to represent such a wonderful brand, and most of all, to feel like a member of the world's most positive and enduring gamer community. As I look forward to departing in both good health and good humor, this is not game over for me, but instead leveling up to more time with my wife, family, and friends. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to be too upset. When he's, you know, the man has given us years of service. He's leaving on his own terms, 
and you know with a good relationship with the company and you know with uh, the work that he did you know just to spend more time with his family it's like that's you know that's pretty good career awesome. I'd also like to point out something that I never realized and that um, really changed the context of this announcement and this man's career is he's he's black and a black man born in the Bronx at that was the president of Nintendo for all these years. You know, like the face of gaming, yeah. at least in my mind, is was a black man. That's incredible to me. And like, uh, like he's pretty universally beloved too. What you bad know? can you say about him? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like well, especially I saw when you think about like saying bad stuff about him, like what? Well, it happens. Uh, but people who are super mad that Japanese games got localized to like not be as weird in the context of American culture. Oh, stupid things. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. real things. Yeah, yeah. Like real, yeah, real things. <laughs> I got nothing. Reggie was great. Um, everything I ever heard is that during the Wii U era, he tried to be the voice of reason in the room, and Japan wouldn't listen to him. Well, and the Business Wire article on the subject points out something that's like a really tangible example of what he brought to the table, right? It says, during his tenure, Nintendo of America has expanded its physical presence in the U.S., having established a key sales and marketing office in Redwood City, California, and built a new Nintendo of America headquarters in Redmond, Washington, that has received awards for its environmentally friendly design. It's like, my man, like... You know, like, those are, like, I think of, like, the Redwood City office in Nintendo, too. It's like, yeah, like, that's, like, I feel like that's been a thing for a while, you know? And it's, like, those are, like, things that he did. Um, Yeah, and, and I, like you said, I, I think, like, he was there for a lot of the most, like, relevant periods in, like, modern Nintendo history. Like, he joined up with the company during the GameCube Game Boy Advance era when they were kind of in a downturn for a bit and, like, was there through the entire ramp-up of their meteoric rise and then fall and then the rebirth, you know? Like, with Switch. Like, he's been there through the good times and the bad, you know? Like... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, like, to build off the thing that you said, Sean, too, it's like... To think about that in the context of, like, how often we talk about the fact that the game, like, gamer culture can be so, like, racist and, like, you know, and negative and, like, pick people apart. And it's like, people love Reggie, man. Like, people love Reggie. <laughs> Even when Nintendo is at a low point. Yeah, yeah. The dude was a fucking a meme grace. factory. Like- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a, that's a great point, too. And, and, it, and it really stands out because... Gaming has become so corporate and so full of people who come out in suits. And there's nothing wrong with wearing suits or anything. But people who... I can't feel their passion. You know? And Reggie was down to earth in the sense that he's, he's always down for play. You know, whether it's in, in an actual game or a joke or putting himself out there to make fun of himself, to be the joke, um, yeah. to get to get on the level with gamers, and it makes him human. And I think that yeah. there's no better way to represent gaming and certainly no better way 
to represent Nintendo, and it just speaks to a lot of the conversations that we have on this podcast about what gaming is supposed to be about. And I think that Reggie exemplifies that in every way. And you you want him, you want a, a man like that to be the head of gaming corporations. Absolutely you want that, I would say. I completely agree. I mean, like, what what was the thing I was saying during our conversation about Activision, right? Is that, like, you have too many people working at companies that make games, and the goal should be to make good games. Like, yeah, you want to make money. You want to turn a profit. You're a business. But the art should be the goal. And I think Nintendo uniquely does a good job of putting people like that forward. You know, like, people who are, like, gamers as well as businessmen, you know, and as well as good leaders. Um, And we saw that with Iwata, we saw that with Reggie, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, all all we can hope is that that, that Doug Bowser isn't secretly a shifty Koopa kid in disguise, but... Yeah, Yeah, his replacement, (laughs) Doug Bowser, um, obviously, like, Reggie put a lot of praise his way during his statement and everything, and, like, the Business Wire article points out that, like, he has been, like, mentored by Reggie for, like, four years. Um, this is from his quote. He said, It's been my great fortune to work and be mentored, work with and be mentored by Reggie for four years at Nintendo of America. Rest assured, we will continue to build on his work and evolve and expand our brand, furthering Nintendo's global mission of creating smiles. There are million, millions more of those to come. So... Dude, it's like they—they say like our mission of creating smiles, and you and you believe it, and not in like the weird, creepy Disney world. Where they're just like, yes, give us your money, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 crazy. I I do have to disagree strongly with one thing that Reggie said in his goodbye video, uh, when announcing that Doug Bowser was going to take over. He said, "With a name like Bowser, who better to give the keys to the Nintendo castle?" No, I thought literally that too. fucking anybody, Reggie. <laughs> Well, Bowser likes castles, right? Listen, if Doug Bowser legally changes his name to Doug Mario, we're fine. <laughs> or Doug Bros. Yeah, it would be Doug Wario because no! you know, he's got to keep it. That's the second worst choice. No, okay. Number one worst choice, Ganondorf. Then Bowser, then Wario. No, no. Then Wario, then Bowser. At least Bowser has leadership skills. Does he? He runs an army. He runs a military organization. And he's beloved by his people, Andy. He is he adopted fucking like eight orphans and raised them as his own children. Say yeah, what you and he's about the commander Bowser. in chief. He's a he's a war criminal and a zealot, but he's a good dad. That's something. Mario's the war criminal. <laughs> he he systematically attacks a, a military organization and breaks the Geneva Convention. Constantly. Wait, how does Mario break the Geneva Convention? That's the topic of the show. Mario's Geneva Convention violations. Pete, remember that one um, channel I turned you on to where the guy was uh, uh, breaking down the Kingdom Hearts story? Yeah. He released a video about how Mario's the war criminal, and I'm convinced. I mean... I'm fucking convinced. Like... Bowser's military organization does not break the Geneva Convention, and Mario does. What was it, like, and it's six sad. or seven years ago when Matt Pat put out his theory about how Mario was evil? I mean, if you see that video from Mario Tennis Wii of him grinding the dirt into Luigi's shoe <laughs> yeah, dude, when Luigi gets up. his moment of victory, I believe it, man. Mario's got a mean streak, bro. It's fucked up when he puts his foot on, and he's just like, and he looks at him like, "What are you gonna do about it, brother?" And he's like, just grinding his toes down into dust, like, I gotta, atomizing them. Real quick, Sean, when when Thompson said that, 
the brother thing, all I could imagine was was Mario with Hulk Hogan's mustache and hair. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do about it, brother? Brother. <laughs> Mario <laughs> brother. and Hulk Hogan have more in common than I think you even realize. And I don't know if we should go into all that. But has... has did Mario also have sex with his friend's wife while he videotaped it? All I'm going to say Mario is that... Mario also Sue Gawker out of existence? Him and Luigi, <laughs> their relationship has always been a little bit, you know, off. And I think there's a reason for that. Because Mario's Hulk Hogan. Well, there's a reason for Mario and Luigi having some beef. And I wonder right. if it has anything to do with Daisy. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well... Speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of rumors, oh my god, oh, perfect. Uh, Microsoft, the, or there are rumblings, I should say, um, about several Microsoft exclusives coming to Nintendo Switch, which seem to solidify the connections to between Microsoft and Nintendo that we've been talking about these last couple weeks. And uh, and some of the things that we speculated on and, and whatever, right? Like, it seems like there are some more... There are some updates to this story. So I saw these kind of all around the web. Um, but I'm going to pull from the comicbook.com article on the subject by Tyler Fisher because I felt like it was a pretty good roundup of some of the rumors that have been circling around. So here's what they had to say. According to a new report, not only is Xbox Game Pass coming to Nintendo Switch, but some of Microsoft's biggest franchises and previous releases will directly release on the system as well. French outlet, you, it's Joy, I want to say it's You Video. Oh, it's Joy uh, Video. Joy Video, thank you, Andy. Is the latest to confirm that Nintendo and Xbox are teaming up in a big fashion this year, following Game Informer and Direct Feed Games. Um, obviously, both of which, you know, pretty. Pretty well-known uh, resources there. So, however, the French website also provides further details into what the collaboration will entail, according to Jeu Video. Is that right, Jeu Video? Okay, cool. <laughs> Not only is Xbox Game Pass coming to the system, but Microsoft will release some of its first-party games directly onto the hybrid console. This is something that Direct Feed Games originally reported, but only made note of Ori and the Blind Forest. In Jeu Video's uh, new report, though, it is or it is believed though. That alongside Ori and the Blind Forest, the other first game to come to the system will be Cuphead. Uh, and then, apparently, Microsoft is also planning to bring some of the biggest franchises, Forza, Gears of War, or Halo, over to Nintendo Switch. Or at least is in discussions with Nintendo about it. So, that is obviously uh, pretty interesting, especially because there was another rumor that surf surfaced this week that Scalebound which was the canceled Platinum game that was going to be an Xbox exclusive where you were, like, riding dragons and stuff, uh, that that is also going to be resurrected as a Nintendo Switch exclusive, which was so, reported by several people. So was there anything, like... I, I Where did Scalebound come from? Because I saw the rumors Nintendo's bringing back a very publicly canceled game, then I saw it's Scalebound, and I didn't see, like, any steps between those. So from is there more than just speculation for that? There isn't more than just speculation for that right now, but it's more that some of the people tweeting about it are or like talking about it are people that you know have kind of leaked stuff like this in the past or like we know have insider access. Like um, I believe Liam Robertson 
was one of those people who's well known for he used to work with a website called Unseen Sixty Four. Now he's got his own YouTube channel where he like dives into the stories of games that got canceled and never got released. Or okay. like, you know, a lot of like those kinds of like oh, this dead game or or whatever, like that that's kind of his bread and butter is those deep dives and like he is a guy who knows how to get access somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so him him talking about it specifically was something that like really solidified that there might be some truth to it. I'm not you know, jury's still out on all of this news, but uh the fact that we're seeing more and more talk about it from not just randoms on Reset Era or Reddit or whatever, like leads me to believe that where there's smoke, there's fire. And okay. we already know about the Xbox Live of it all and yeah. the success they've seen with Minecraft on Switch. So it's interesting, and it, it seems to add more and more wrinkles to this emerging theory, you know? Yeah, so the interesting thing to me is that if Scalebound comes to the Switch, it's going to be such a different game than it looked like because everything we saw before it got canceled was like the game was gorgeous but like every gameplay clip we saw was like struggling to run on xbox one which you know has a lot more going on under the hood than the switch does sure it's also i guess worth pointing out though that a lot of times when we saw it it wasn't like e3 and stuff so those easily could have just been vertical slices that were like trying to look pretty you know whereas like if yeah. they across the board try and ch- turn it tone it down a little bit we might be able to get a similar like doom situation where like doom runs 60 fps and is fucking gorgeous on your ps4 or your xbox or whatever it still runs great on switch yeah it's just different i mean i hope it turns out like that or it looks less good which would be a bummer or it's the first microsoft cloud game to launch on switch <laughs> also possible. Hmm. That's that's actually a really interesting point, Andy. If that actually happens, they wouldn't have to change the game at all, right? Because it's the cloud thing that they're working on, so it doesn't matter. Like, the, as far as the quality you're talking about. Although, I, but, I guess that's I guess, not super in line with the rumor there, right? That, like, Nintendo yeah. salvaged a canceled game. Right, that they're bringing it back. Yeah. yeah but, but that would be really interesting if that was the case, that, like, that's one of the game types... That comes over. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I do know, like, Nintendo's real tight with Platinum, and the the dudes who were in charge of Scalebound were, like, high-ups over there that were really passionate about getting their Dragon game off the ground. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the relationship with Platinum has really only gotten solidified. Like, they were one of the only developers that supported them during the Wii U era, and then they salvaged Bayonetta as a franchise for them and made it relevant again. As a Nintendo yep. exclusive, and uh, they're making another exclusive game with them now. The only other exclusive pr- like property they were working on got fucking canceled by Microsoft, and like, I don't think it's insane to think that Nintendo would come in and be like, "Yeah, we'll salvage this again. Cool, give us another exclusive. We need something to fill a gap somewhere." Yeah. Um, but what what do you guys think about about the announcement of them doing these actual releases of games like Ori and Cuphead? And maybe even some of their more like core franchises. This is I, we we had we had sort of discussed this uh, a couple weeks ago. And I remember saying I didn't think there was much to this. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, how wrong remains to be seen. I really don't. I don't know. This is one. I guess this is a blind spot for me. I don't understand the point of this. 
I, I think it speaks to Microsoft's vision for the Xbox. Is that I really think that ever since they dis- they developed their Xbox Anywhere sales pitch, right? Of like Xbox isn't just a console; it's a brand that you play on your computer, or you play on your Xbox, or you play on your mobile device. Like I think they're just, I think they're at a point where they see the fact that Nintendo is not really a direct competitor to them. Like I think we as consumers might still think of it that way and the fact that like well like xbox playstation and nintendo are the three console manufacturers so obviously they're competing with each other but really like nintendo exists in their own niche market where they're mm-hmm. they, they make the only handheld game system on the market and yeah it's also a home console but it doesn't directly compete with microsoft or playstation 4 in terms of like if you want a high quality hd console Nintendo Switch is not that. Even if you, like Sean, play it as a home console, you know, even 100% of the time. Like, it's not the game that you're going to get the next Call of Duty on or, you know, whatever the next big multi-platform AAA game is. Like, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Anthem because it's what's out right now. But you know the caliber, Far Cry, whatever. Like, you're not going to get those experiences on Nintendo Switch. Or if you do, it's going to be years later. And it's going to be like, oh, I didn't play this. I guess I'll play this game now. Or, oh, I love that game. I'd love to get it on the go and in a, in a slightly toned down version. Like, that's what Nintendo's doing right now. And, like, what value does Microsoft really have in keeping something like Cuphead off of Nintendo Switch right now? Because you think about it, right? Cuphead came out and it sold really well. And people are now at a place where it's like you either already own it or if you do buy it, you're going to buy it at a sig- significantly discounted price probably, and you're playing it late, you know? So everybody else is like, where's the next Cuphead? Where's Cuphead's DLC? Like, that's where we're at now with Cuphead. Whereas if you release it on Nintendo Switch, it gets headlines because it's like, holy shit, Xbox is putting out one of their exclusives on Nintendo Switch. Indie games historically sell better on Nintendo Switch than on any other platform that they've ever been released on. So you have the opportunity of what if they sell another 5 million copies for that game and, you know, it goes or whatever it was. Was it like 3 million copies or something like that? But say that it was 3 just for the sake of argument. Say they sell another 3 million copies of that game or 4 million copies of that game. Those are sales they were never going to get, and a lot of people might buy it a second time. I probably would, so they can play it on the Switch, because it's I don't like playing it on PC as much as I would on a console. Um, and that was part of what like made me fall out of the game. So like I might buy it a second time. And if not, there's tons of Nintendo people that saw Cuphead and thought it was really cool and were interested in it, but don't have a gaming PC or don't like gaming on their PC and don't own an Xbox. So what harm is there now, this much later, to release the game and make that software money? And, you know, yeah, like, you're giving your competition a game, but, like, you're giving them a game that your people have probably already bought. Yeah, and I mean, especially with the Ori sequel coming out this year. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ori in the Blind Forest is one of my favorite games. Everybody should fucking play that game. And more people playing that game is just better for humanity i feel it's a, like a beautiful <laughs> thing and if it comes out uh i think you can get the definitive edition for like 20 bucks right now they launch it for 20 bucks on switch it takes off it's a hit um like hollow knight sold gangbusters and or is a better metroidvania than hollow knight 
uh, at the same price point. And, like, everybody and their mother will want to play the Ori sequel if they've played Ori. And I think that's a great marketing pitch for Microsoft. I also think Microsoft's getting to the point where they don't care where you're playing their games as long as it's not on a piece of Sony hardware. Yeah, I think that speaks to another thing that Pete brought up, too, like, with... Microsoft realizing, or not realizing, but feeling that maybe Nintendo's not their competition even. Like, there is very little uh, of Microsoft's gains in Japan as a whole. I'm not saying, like, the the games that they're bringing will just be like, oh, we can port them to Japan. Not like that. But some, obviously, are going to come there. That's a market that Microsoft didn't really break into and never really probably will. So, it's almost like, they're never going to play our games anyway, the Switch users. Might as well, you know? I mean, it's really, it's perfect because it's not Sony. Too. Yep. I, I, I can definitely see that feeling in there. Like, as long as it isn't a Sony piece, like, we don't give a shit. Yeah, you like, know? they're still making money on the software, and, like... And even then, like, even if it wasn't just first-party games for them, even if it was a game that's on the Xbox and the PlayStation, and now Xbox offers it to Switch users, who fall into that category where they don't have an Xbox, or maybe they just didn't get it on the PS4, and it's like, oh, it's, it's now on the Switch, and I play the Switch because I like to be here and there, and it can work on that? Oh, cool. Like, it's still going to come back that like Microsoft's getting a, an edge on Sony and I think all of this comes down to that like for them their whole thing I think is right now it's like fuck Sony like well and I think they, I think a lot of people look at the the Switch as an indie machine like I yeah, I prefer sure. like if I can play an indie game on Switch I would like to play it on Switch more than like I don't like yeah. playing single player experiences on PC period and when I'm playing my PlayStation 4 or in some other people's cases their Xbox I want to play the new hotness, you know, like the Kingdom Hearts is or the Anthems or the whatever the fuck is the big AAA game that everyone's talking about right now. That's what I want to do when I'm on my PS4. And I like my Switch for smaller, more bite-sized experiences. So, like, I think both of those games will do gangbusters on Switch. And I'd fucking, I'd really fuck with a Master Chief collection on Switch. Are you kidding me? That would be great. I don't need it in 4K. They're old games. Let me just play them. Yeah. That's mind blowing. Not that you would want that. It's just mind blowing that, that, that they might happen. do it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It is. It, it, it's certainly un, uncharted territory, but so is releasing your quote unquote exclusives on PC, which they've been doing and it's worked for them, especially in a downturn, you know? And I think if they can really come with the Xbox and make the Xbox look attractive because it's a better console or because they're providing the best experience online or whatever, like, that seems to be what they're doing. Is like, yo, like, maybe we won't sell as many consoles, but we'll sell it to the boutique people that want the high-end shit but don't want to buy a PC. Cool. And we'll make the money on software because we're putting out some good games. We might as well get them everywhere, you know? So, the more places people can play, the more opportunity for us to make a dollar. So, Pete, and Thompson... And Sean, if you want to get in on this too, I know you have very specific use cases for your Switch. Um, so you might not be included in this. <laughs> but if if Microsoft came out and said, hey, we've set up this whole streaming service and uh, all of our Game Pass games, everything is going to run through that streaming service on your Switch. And they release the, the streaming service is a like a $10 subscription and like a $30 cartridge buy-in. Do you do it? Yeah. Hard yes. To to run all the Microsoft stuff on my Switch? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't have an Xbox, and I've been dying to play Xbox games, and, like, I've looked for, actively tried to look for a reason to buy the Xbox, and I've always been like, oh, I'm on the cusp of feeling like I want to do it, and, like, it's like, that just cuts out the middleman of me buying one, I'm just going to play everything on the Switch now. I would much rather own an Xbox than play Xbox games on my Switch, because, it's, first of all, they're not going to... It's not the same controller. Uh, They're not going to look the same, right? Um, As far as I am aware, the Xbox has higher graphics capabilities. So, like, I want, I want that. I want the experience the way I'm supposed to get it. Not like, oh well, you have a Switch, so here you can have this version of it. Like, I want if I'm going to play an Xbox game, I want it to be on Xbox. And I, I really can't see myself ever feeling differently about it. Well, I think for me... That resonates. Yeah. There are a lot of games where that won't matter, though. Because, like, like right. they'll always look better on Xbox. That's definitely true. But to Andy's... Uh, the conversation we had before, like, the his experience with Assassin's Creed speaks volumes about the fact of, like, what a high-quality streaming service could mean in terms of, like, what it looks like on Switch. Yeah, it won't be 4K, but you could probably get, like perfect 60 fps 1080 on your switch while in dock mode for like the triple a stuff which is like how much different is that really than like playing it on a regular xbox one or like a ps4 not that much um if the performance is there and for the smaller games it'll make no difference cuphead would look exactly the same or it would look exactly the same um i don't even play those like, games well, right. I'm saying, like, I think for me, like, that's that's that is where the the line is different. Well, you were you were you were count you were trying to you know you were countering my point. So, I'm playing Halo, right? I'm yeah. playing what you know whatever the triple A the triple A title is. That's the only reason why I would ever buy an Xbox. But uh, do you so, have a 4K TV? No, no, right. But so would it being at 60 FPS 1080 be a problem then if it was in docked? Well, That's how you play anyway. I don't believe in uh, I don't believe in um, the what's it called the uh, streaming the streaming service idea anyway. I'm not I'm not interested in that. Um, I would I, like the only way I'd be able to play a Halo on Switch, presumably based on on what Andy said, was through Games Pass, which is the streaming service, right? So yeah. that 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 that's not my thing. Um. So yeah, just no, no, I wouldn't be interested. Dude, I get what you're saying about um the experience of it and all that, but for for me, like to to like, I I'm totally with you on that. Like, if there's a game like like a, a Last of Us type game that came out on the Xbox, I'd be like, shit, I gotta play it on the Xbox. That way, with the controller and everything, I gotta be there for it that way. Um, but the fact is, I've missed so much of this generation that like. Going forward, I wouldn't probably put a lot of the games that are coming out for the next generation on this way, but I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm probably never going to get an Xbox. I might as well just play them somewhere. I've already got a system. So it's like, it's a convenience issue for me at this point. I don't feel like if I can, if I really, really was dying to like play something from that I couldn't play yet, I probably would have picked up the Xbox by now. So most of these games, I don't feel strongly about enough to dive in like that. But if we're going forward though, like, yeah next gen shit that's coming out like i want to be there with that like i love the switch's controller and everything but some some games i you know translate better than others and this really just comes down to like a convenience thing for me too like it's it's 
it's crazy to think that like in the future I'll have that option possibly. Like if brand new games coming out and I'll be like, oh, I could play it on my Switch from Microsoft. Okay, like that's just For nuts. Ten dollars a month. Yeah, it's nuts to think that this is the future. Like, streaming is the future for sure, but, like, I didn't think I realized, like, how, like, expansive it would be to, like, integrate in everything. Like, it's it's nuts, you know? Like, yeah. fucking 3DS plays, you know, Netflix and shit, and now I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And now they're like, you can play a Microsoft game on your Switch through the <laughs> streaming service. Go fuck yourself. There's no, there's no limit, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was only a matter so of time, like, man. For sure, yeah, but it's I it's quicker than I thought. That that's for sure. Yeah. I didn't think that this like I didn't think the structure was there to even pull this kind of crap off. I didn't realize it was that fast. But I, I think it's just funny because I feel like it feels like such a recent thing, but like we forget that like uh, PlayStation's had PlayStation Now like basically since launch. Yeah, and it's I've never used it with success. I mean, it's not so. very good. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think that my I've ever like thought like oh this is something that'll work. Right, because yeah. it's like I've I've seen services like this for sure, but they're crap mostly. I mean, like I hate to diss it too much. I don't know what its state is in the last year and a half, but it's never worked when I tried to use it, sure. and it was. And I have a killer internet too. Um, I have like no internet problems with anything except for that thing. It was just garbage. I couldn't play basic games without it like stuttering. Which is how are you supposed to play something even like a shooter then at that point? Right. Um, you can't. So, but you look at Games Pass and it or yeah, Game, Pass uh, Game Pass and, uh, isn't a streaming service, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You just um, you download, right? But I yeah. suspect they yeah. will have something related to streaming coming out very soon. Yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting, man. It's an interesting time. It's interesting to see like what's going to happen on this front because it's certainly unprecedented. God, Phil Spencer is a goddamn visionary. He really is. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see how these gambles pay off for him. So speaking of which, uh, there is another rumor going around, which is also sourced from uh, Ju Video, which uh, we're reading the Gamatsu article on it on the subject though by Sal Romano. Um, there are apparently going to be two next gen Xbox models announced at this year's E3 2019. So, according to um, Jevideo, the consoles are codenamed Lockhart and Anaconda. Uh, Lockhart is an entry-level device without a disk drive that's focused on digital, while Anaconda mm-hmm. is a high-end device uh, priced similarly to the Xbox One was at launch. Or Xbox One X at launch, excuse me. Uh, as for specifications, Juvideo said that the data sheets leaked in late January are close to accurate, but would only confirm the presence of SSDs on each machine. Then uh, they have like the the breakdown and everything. They're both eight core processors. Um, they have uh, the Lockhart would have a custom GPU that operated at four plus teraflops, while the Xbox Anaconda had twelve teraflops. So obviously a bit more powerful, and then uh, the next two are the same, where it'd have 12 gigs of internal RAM and uh, a uh, solid-state terabyte drive. So, um, cool. Yeah, it's definitely the fact interesting. That we're at the solid-states um, on consoles phase of video gaming is so weird to me. What is a load? Yeah, time? it's like wow. <laughs> like none. Yeah. No, like none at all, probably, which is insane. Because I feel like yeah. we've already been working towards that. Like when a game has when load a, screens now, it's like man. When a game fuck, has load like, screens that aren't you know cleverly designed ways to hide load screens, right? 
so then there was also the Verge senior editor Tom Warren kind of jumped in and said that not all of those speculation spe- specifications are accurate, but it obviously seems to point to the fact that like this is happening, that there will be two Xboxes revealed at E3 this year. Um, which, given the fact that Microsoft made their kind of like announcement that they were going to have a major presence at E3 this year, and they're doing like that little separate, yeah, they like, like rented a theater thing across, across the street, the street again, right? or whatever. It's Right, yeah, so it definitely seems like they're going to be showing us the next Xbox this year. And uh, currently, Jividio is saying that the console's scheduled for the end of 2020, uh, and that Halo Infinite will be Makes a sense. launch title. Um, sounds about right. Yeah, um, were you guys surprised at the two-console thing at all? No. Okay. I think given the strategy that they've adopted... Um, recently, like it makes sense, and there's another yeah. th- there's another quote they Absolutely. had included here where it says, "Halo Infinite will reportedly be available for Xbox One and PC as originally announced." As quote, Microsoft is seeking to get rid of the concept of console generations. So I think we're gonna see them really double down on this whole like incremental update thing, where like every few years it's like there's a new Xbox. If you want to be at the cutting edge of tech, um but that it'll be largely backwards compatible with the Xbox One for at least a significant amount of time. Uh, which always happens when there's that, that change of torches, but you know, I think like we'll probably see it adopt a more cell phone-style model where there's a new console every couple years as opposed to like every eight or five, you know? Like maybe every other year we get a new Xbox that's like a little bit better, but your old one works just fine. But if you want to be at the cutting edge, if you want to take advantage of the highest quality everything like this is your way to do it without having to build a pc i i'm a little surprised um by the fact that there's only two of them we heard rumors earlier in the Mm. year that they were going to put out that like the streaming only box and i was really expecting like the the specs on the lockhart look good enough to run games you know obviously not as well as the anaconda but like well um i was i'm a little surprised that we don't see have that third model here i think that the the smaller one is probably going to be just fine for a streaming type only box it it like you said it's oh, not no, i think it's much, honestly it's too it's, beefy for i a think streaming only box. it's well, I mean, that's what I think. They might be selling you that one for you know, a person who says, like, well, I'm just going to play, like, his streaming things and, like, whatever. That's fine. So this is an investment. And I think that's, like, I agree it's a little beefier than it needs to be for that. And I think that they're trying to market it kind of like, well, maybe you're not going to be the person who wants to buy a new upgrade every couple of years. So we're going to sell you one off the bat that's going to last for, like, three years. Yeah. And Or longer. You know, like- or longer, right. Because it's really, I think it's pretty strong for what it needs to do. And, um, you know, it'll still run everything else, but, um, you wouldn't have to, like, upgrade it or anything. The, the other one, if it really is a, like, a, what, four teraflops to 12 or something, yeah. I mean, holy shit, it's three times as strong. So, right. um, I don't know what the fuck they're gonna make in, you know, a year or two years to say, like, well, this is the new model that you need because it's at that point where when you start reaching those numbers, you're like, what game is even going to run this, you know, like, like to use this power. Like there's very few things that like, uh, like 
PC video cards are a great example. You know, the new one comes out and it's a $2,000 video card and you're just like, why? And then it's, you know, 500 bucks in a couple years because the new one came out. Um, a lot of those things are made and then somebody says, like, I want to make a game to benchmark, essentially. <laughs> you know, and, like, that's insane. So if consoles come out at starting at, you know, 12 and all that, it, it's... I'm just impressed that they made something so fucking large as a console to start with. Um, you know, for the high-end thing, it's high-end. <laughs> Where the hell is it going to be? Like, they're... That would be able to run multiple 4K monitors, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I don't I don't think I don't think that the incremental model of releasing consoles as a as a path forward. So obviously we always get like the PlayStation Slim or you know whatever they do. Right, right. I think we kind of do it anyway. Now we have the pros. Right, the pros. I I don't think that beyond like the pro idea cuz the pros, you know, they came out quite a while later, right? The PS5 or yeah, PS4. I, think it was like, I want to say it was like 2015 or 16. It was like two or three years after release. About yeah. halfway through the generation. And then, yeah, and then we're going into the next generation. Uh, that that seems all right. Because at that point, there's probably people who haven't picked it up yet that might want to. Um, or want to go the, the upgrade because they bought a 4K TV. That's what I did, you know? Right, which makes sense. Now... My thinking is um, televisions don't necessarily – you don't necessarily see upgrades of televisions that often. So, like, there aren't – there isn't always the next step of TV. And then game development takes a really long time. So, if you're putting out an, an upgraded version of your console every two years, let's say – uh, what games are going to be able to maximize the potential of the console when the developers were op- started working on the game before the console existed? And then, especially if there's backwards compatibility and they're like trying to be like, well, the game has to run on Xbox yeah, One. I mean, there's then like there's that's plenty the benchmark. Of, like PC games, right? That run on all kinds of graphics cards and setups. Yeah, and like there's a lot of multiplats that come out on PC. And are optimized really well. And I think it just makes development look a little more like that. Yeah, I guess that's true, too, when you think about, like, the difference between, like, oh, Doom can run on the Switch, but it can also run on, like, a high-end PC in 4K, 60 FPS, and, like, they're different experiences, but they're also the same experience. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Sean's making a good point, though. That, like, when you're... When you're developing for the baseline, like, how high, like, how much are you really taking advantage of the power that's being made available to you? Right, I mean, that's, like, I I was saying before, like, when, with the 12 as, like, a starting line for the high-end one, like, already there isn't much right now that, you know, if someone got, like, dev kits and stuff early, that's where we could see, like, progress in this kind of shit, and that's great, but, like, if they really do say like well we don't really have generations anymore and it's it's an incremental thing so like we get um theoretically faster than every like two and a half years a like another thing that not necessarily fundamentally changes the way that it's built on but like you know expands on it um that will be interesting if that really is the case because you really will have developers always lagging behind even when it is made for the newest best version of a thing a year out it still takes sometimes three years to make a game 
you know, two if you're good, you know, one and a half if it's not too big. And they're going to push it so fast, so far. I mean, it's, like, unnecessary, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to put that much. It's, like, unnecessary now for, like, some things, you know, that are out. Like, so much potential is not even being used in a lot of, like, even just PC builds. My other thought is when it comes to, like, PC and, and the way that that works, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, if I play World of Warcraft, I can play it right now on my home computer. I could upgrade my home computer in a million different ways, and Warcraft will look better and run better as a result, right? Um, with a console, let's say, uh, you know, the PS4, if you have a PS4 Pro, the game, the game's graphics improve, but nothing else changes right like there aren't they do run better they 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 run better okay yeah it's nothing else changes also but you're you're right but like there are always like patches could come out which tweak graphics through the thing that we don't know about and i've seen that happen with with some playstation games where like i've come back a year later and it's like there was a patch that like actually upgraded some graphics shit inside of right but like so for example uh if you get it if you get the new iphone it comes with new features it comes with new stuff yeah if the only Upgrade is graphics, right? Because the games aren't going to be any different. They're well, not going to be and, per- and performance. Yeah, is, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that like you're you're asking people to to plunk down five hundred dollars for a performance increase. If you compare it to phones, the the actual phone has new features. There's new stuff you can do with it that you couldn't do before. Things like that. That's not the same. So it, the 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 new console will have to do something new in order for it to be a one-to-one comparison and to be able to work alongside that model. I don't think that you can necessarily just say, all right, well, we're just going to come out with Xboxes every two years and there's going to be performance upgrades every two years. I don't I don't yeah. see the market for that. I, th- I think you're right about that, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, it's I don't, too fast. I think that, like, having the like 0.5 consoles is a great idea because there was a reason to do it but we're not necessarily going to have 8k tvs anytime soon you know so well like, sad part is they're already working on them and it's like by the time this shit comes out in you know uh 2020 and then you know by 2021 it'll be like 8ks are out for like you know a bit and and then guess what in another year after that it'll be like oh you got a 4k what are you living in the past you know like it's it's stupid how fast this shit is moving, and, like, I just don't see the... I mean, like, I see the point, don't get me wrong, like, it, the, the expansion of this stuff is all great, but, like, you're barely scratching the surface of what you got now. If we start working on, like, 8K games in, like, two years or some shit, like, you, where, what are you going to do with that, you know? That's, like, you're you're pushing the hardware so fast, there's no need. That's the short term, though. Like Yeah, so exactly. maybe they are working on 8K, but what about the, the, the next be. version of that? That's not going to come. That's what out I mean. Like it's it's nuts. Know? So if they're following that trend, yeah, it's it's going too quick for them. Like the 16k will be out before they finish working on 8k things. You know? No, no, no. What I mean yeah. is like, if you have an Xbox that comes out next year, and let's follow your timeline. Let's say that the new television comes out in 2021. It's not going to be 2023 when the next TV is out. You know, right, it's going right. to be later. Gotcha. So then when does the next Xbox come out? Is it trying to match the pace of television? What's the pace that it needs to set to make it something that people are going to opt in to purchase? 
Because the way that the phone market works, you need current holders of the phone well, to upgrade the, the, the phone. The phone market also That's how it runs works, on right? a pretty tight, like, planned obsolescence two-year re-up in your contract schedule. Whereas I think I think right. something like this that would be too. like, oh, I've had my Xbox for, like, I got mine in 2015, so I don't need to buy the 2021, but, like, maybe the 2022 one comes out and it looks nice. Or somebody bought an Xbox One X... And they say, okay, I don't need that. And it's not on that same tight two-year, like, you're not getting a new phone every cycle. Or you're not getting a new Xbox every cycle the way you would with a phone. Yeah, but I think a lot of people buy phones that way, too. Like, I don't buy a new phone every time a new model comes out. I buy a new phone when I feel as though my model is becoming, is showing its age, right? So I think, like... I could see that where, like, my launch PlayStation does not run Red Dead Redemption 2 nearly as well as my PS4 Pro. Like, it's a noticeable difference. And it doesn't make it so bad that I don't want to play it on that console when I'm at my girlfriend's house. But it runs slower, it loads slower, and it doesn't look as good. So, like, it could be the thing of, like, you know, I as a gamer made the decision last year where I was like, well... I got this great deal on a 4K TV. I want to take advantage of the fact that I have 4K. I might as well... And then uh, a special edition console came out that I wanted. So I was like, fuck it. I'll buy a console that I already own for the next, what, maybe three years, right? Like, if if the PlayStation 5 comes out in 2021, I'll have gotten three full years of use out of my PS4 Pro. Um, That's fine. And, like, I made that decision, but if... Any of you guys are like, well, no, I don't, I don't need to. It still plays the games. What's the point of updating? You don't have to. And I feel like it, it is like a more niche or like high end user friendly market. But those become more affordable as the new model comes out and the other one becomes more obsolete. And like maybe you get more people buying the older ones and buying software. And like I guess maybe that's their mentality. But I, I don't know. I think. I think you're making a lot of strong points, Sean. I, I don't know that like the console market is ready for this. Or that it ever will really make sense in terms of console gaming. Because yeah, I of the think way it depends like on how long their cycle is. Right. Like how long Yeah. What would but be a reasonable say, cycle to Um uh, I think it I think you made a good point about features. But I also feel like we're almost at the point where there's not really features you can add to gaming outside of better graphics and performance. Real quick, I'm going to put a pin in this conversation because that is going to take us into Ooh. our meat and potatoes discussion this week. So, Andy, you mentioned uh, that you don't feel like there are many more features to be added to, uh, to next-generation consoles, um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. Because all this conversation around the next Xbox and streaming and all this stuff has me wondering, what do you guys, like, as consumers, as gamers, want out of the next generation of consoles? You know, like, obviously, there's the entry level of, like, better graphics, better performance, right? I think we all know that bit, right? But what else do you feel like they can really bring to the table that would be meaningful for you. So you know? I guess I'll start because I said that I don't think there's much. Uh, I I really don't think there's much. Like 
I'm, I'm looking at our notes right now. You've got some uh, proposals, just like better graphics, improvements to online and streaming services. It's like outside of widespread support for things like the Xbox Adaptive Controller, I really can't think of yeah anything else that like could be added because we tried motion controls and nobody liked them. And like... I think we'll probably see, like, more VR, but, like, that's more of something we've seen before. Or, like, AR, which is kind of an evolution of motion controls, you know? So Yeah. Honestly, uh, like, in the last uh, segment when we were just talking about shit in general, this was the question I was... It's funny that it's your topic. I was actually kind of asking myself this, like, was... What the hell would they even add in these, like... The, it, so, really, like, I've struggled this the last 20 minutes we've been talking to think of anything... <laughs> that was meaningful other than like the key points of just making things work better you know like and vr is a is a thing sure but it's a peripheral that you know isn't the console like unless they sold a vr console but that's not the same thing as selling the consoles they're selling so um like integration with vr is interesting as an idea sure like maybe like you know the way it came with the connect when you first bought an xbox right. now like yeah. they, they were like oh it comes with it so whatever i could see that um, happening with the playstation 5 yeah like that's not but that's still, like, even doing that isn't really changing things too much. It's not adding something, because it still exists. They're just giving it to you now, you know? Um, as far as, like, a new, like, innovation that they could, like, really, like, like you know, make it feel like this is a new thing, um, that doesn't do it for me. And I, and I honestly can't think of anything big and meaningful that would really like change it uh, just just upgrades at this point my right? <laughs> uh, my number one pick is a quality of life thing it actually has nothing to do with hardware or services it's sure. that i really 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 want to see consoles adopt the like steam mentality like i think the one the one true advantage i see to pc gaming versus consoles is aside from you know the arguments around like control schemes and certain things like yeah, that for yeah. certain kinds of games sure um is is the library is the fact that if i started pc gaming on steam fucking 10 years ago or whenever when it started right i don't remember exactly when half-life 2 came out um you like whatever games you bought you still have and you still have access to unless they haven't managed to support them enough that they still run on your current hardware, but that's not a super prevalent problem anymore. Um, so it feels like you're constantly building out your collection. Yeah, even when you get a new computer, right? It's like you still have that. You pull it through. Mm -hmm. like Right. I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Because sometimes with the console generation changes that you do feel like, with it's, if, especially if it's not backwards compatible, you feel like you're leaving something behind or you need to keep that old thing. Yeah, exactly. And when you make a new PC and you pull Steam over, you don't give a fuck because the whole thing's there and you just keep going like nothing ever happened. It might run better because you build something new or it might, you know, whatever, but you never feel... I, mean, I never did. I mean, I just checked right now. I've got 315 games in my library and probably 50 of them are like test tech demos and servers stuff so like we'll say 250 games but that's built up over like a decade and right. i've never felt once like i lost anything here and obviously they do revoke um you know some games we've we've tried a story about that recently too but i haven't personally experienced it and it's far and few between that many get hit like that but well and i, I think like that to me is one of the big advantages xbox has over playstation 
is that like sure. PlayStation never got that figured out. And like there are tons of games that are great games that only exist on PlayStation Three. And yes, absolutely. when the PlayStation Three servers inevitably go down for the count, those games will not be purchasable anywhere. You know? Um, and that to me is a huge problem. And it, it's a problem that's like literally totally centered around like companies not thinking forward, not future proofing their their consoles and the infrastructure of their consoles to build upon one another. So like that to me is the thing I want to see the most, and it, it seems like Xbox is going down that path. Well, yeah, well, dude, when you mentioned it like that, I mean, this whole thing sounds like Microsoft took that mentality to heart and really rolled with it. You yeah. Know? Regardless of like how much we had said, like, oh, maybe there isn't a, like there's just so much power for the system or anything like that. It sounds like maybe that's what their their main goal was, you know. Well, and I think you can to see future proof the next thing. Yeah, yeah, you can see that in the way that they handled backwards compatibility on Xbox One as well, where like when they finally got it, it's like, hey, just literally download the games you already bought with your 360 membership, and now you have them on this console too, and like you don't need to dust off your Xbox 360 if you want to play Mass Effect again or whatever, you know, and like. That, to me, is, like, a – it's a minor thing to some people, but, like, I think it's, like, a huge pain in the ass that if it's, like, I'm, like, oh, it would be really fun to play through Mass Effect again, you know, with my girlfriend because she's never played it. I want a reason to replay it, so I'm going to do that, right? Great. Oh, fuck. It's on my Xbox 360. I need to dust that off, plug it in, constantly, like, have it taking up one of my HDMI slots or whatever, and it's not going to look as good as it could or run as well as it could if I was able to port it over to my Xbox One, you know? Yeah, but they could also just sell you Mass Effect again and make another $60. But a lot of companies won't do that. Like, EA doesn't do those remasters, you know? I have a, they don't. I have a remastered... I, maybe it's not remastered, but I have the Mass Effect trilogy on one... Yeah, they did put out the Mass Effect trilogy as a collection, but they haven't re-released it on PS4 and Xbox One. So the only way to play it is to play it on last-gen hardware. Mm. Which is not anything that there's inherently a problem with, but, like, we're talking about wishlist stuff. To me, that's huge. Like, yeah. if I could easily take the library of PS1 classics that I bought on my PlayStation 3 and my PlayStation 3 games and even my Vita games that are, you know, console you know, uh, available and throw them on the PS five day one. So I log in and I have 60, 70 games there or something like that. That's rad. And like, that's what I want. You know, I want the consistency of my account where like my Nintendo account should go to the next Nintendo console and I should be able to play my fucking games, you know? Well, especially for you on that one, I, I know how much time and money you've put into every generation of those. And it bullshit. Same with Sony. By some, some games three times. Yeah. yeah. But you but it's for someone like you though, you haven't bought a game from Sony three times no. necessarily, like you right. did with Nintendo. And I have and like <laughs> a lot of Nintendo's things were kind of just like, well we could have, but like you know. So um no, it's like I, I like that idea though. Like the idea like of, of buying a PS five and uh being like I'm just gonna you know, before I buy anything new, maybe I'll just play this other game from the PS4 because I loaded up my library like, day one. That's crazy. Like, I would love that so much. Especially when it comes to, like, the nature of games these days where, like, there are so many games that live for longer and, like, yeah, we're in a point where sure. there are a lot of co-op games again. It's like, yo, like, Castle Crashers is still fun. You know? Like, I would love to be able to boot Castle that up Crashers on my PlayStation just 4. Castle Crashers recently know? got, like, yeah. the full-on remaster treatment. Which is super weird. That's to pretty me. tight. Yeah. I might have to pick that up. 
Oh, um, shit. That is really also weird. backwards compatible on the Xbox One, so, like, I still have the copy I bought. Right. Um, so, uh, would huh. you... With backwards compatibility, so the way Microsoft does it now is super weird compared to the way they, like, previous consoles have done it, where with the Xbox One, the backwards compatible games are, like, four or five get made backwards compatible every month because Microsoft is going back and doing, like, a full-on port to the Xbox One of those games. As opposed to, like, the PS2 was backwards compatible because there was a PS1 inside of it. Yes. Okay. So I don't need that. Because I think that drives up <laughs> costs, and you know. Well, yeah. With this, with the streaming stuff we've been talking about, it, it's increasingly sounding like they might, you know, turn one of those previous generations just into a service, kind of like the way Nintendo did with the NES. Yeah, thing, like I feel like that's sure. obsolete. I feel like that notion of like needing the hardware inside the box to run at the thing is like, yeah, but like games are all digital now, and like most games play on everything. Like, unless it's an exclusive, you know? Like, how many actually genuinely exclusive games are there these days? And how ma- how much of that is because they can only run on their hardware? There's no reason you couldn't put Breath of the Wild on an Xbox or a PC or whatever. Like, if that was something they wanted to do, you know? So it's like, I feel like the barrier... Because, like, you think about, like, last gen and, like, the PS3's architecture was markedly different from every other console... And that was why porting games to it was a bitch and porting games from it is a bitch. Um, So that's fine. But nowadays, like, the Xbox and the PlayStation 4 are both just basically PCs. And that's why it's so easy now, compared to the way it used to be, to port a game from one platform to another. You know, there's optimization that needs to occur, of course. But the more that these consoles basically just become PCs, the less need there is for that and the easier it is to make that switch. So I feel like building the PS5 and the Xbox ne- or the next box, I'll, say, I'll call it, uh, with the mentality of it should be able to play the games from the last generation day one is something that they can put into the mentality like when they build the damn box. You know, is that like, yeah, it can run that because it's a game. Why wouldn't it be able to run a game? It's a piece of software. You know, that's all it is. And unless they're u- introducing another, like, that unique cell architecture that we saw on the PS3, uh, I don't see why that would be a problem. Like, the Switch is basically the same as an NVIDIA Shield, you know, because, like, the tech is just getting closer together. You know? Yeah, at this point, it's like you're just releasing and playing with the same ideas, but a proprietary person, you know, like a company just says, oh, well, this is our version of it. And um, the, the the way that games, yeah, especially with streaming services becoming up, the way the games are even just made are practically interchangeable and stuff. So, like, it's nuts to, yeah, it really is like an Nvidia Shield, actually. I, I didn't think about that, but it it's just a, a it much a, better... A very similar card. Uh, and Yeah, I... I it's just got a better screen and it's Nintendo's, you know, like, yeah, and it actually literally yeah. uses a it's NVIDIA, a right? Right. It's chip, you know? So. Wow. So yeah, it's just Tegra. a better version from Nintendo. The, okay. Yeah, the processor. So it's like, and at the end of the day, the Xbox one and the PS4 are like basically the same, you know, like, yeah, the, sure. the model one, you know, the, the T1 of both of them are <laughs> exactly the fucking same almost. It's like the PS4 yeah. is a little bit more powerful and like, yeah, yeah. that's it. So it's like. 
how much that like I, I think that's only going to become more and more true especially if we move towards like a streaming future like the what's on the box is going to matter less and less as you can do more computing in the cloud and just stream it and stuff like that. So it's like the idea of you having a consistent account that lives across every one of your Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo devices moving forward should be the standard, in my opinion. It's almost like that is the only way that that would have to work, especially, you know, in the future, like the way that, you know, 10 years down the line, even it's like if you didn't, if we started doing that, then like that's going to be tragedy for us you know yeah <laughs> like we we need like that would it'd be a lot more sense to do it and then in like coming up now with the next launch of stuff yeah right it's at this point it's like skipping that would be or going halfway in the years of, of its life if there is a life cycle even uh <laughs> that's that's a tragedy yeah and I, I think to the point that you brought up sean uh it wouldn't have to preclude them from doing remasters and stuff like that like you can still make money on a remaster if you actually, like, do something new to it rather than just updating the graphics, you know? Yeah, and there's always the there's always the potential to catch people who missed out on that game for whatever reason, so. Or charge I, for the update. That's what happened. You're, like, five bucks for the patch, and you can get all this new stuff that we made for it. Okay. Yeah, like... For that matter, like when the PS4 came out, like I, I, my PS3 had died by that point, and um, I didn't get a chance to play The Last of Us, and that was like what got me on the PS4. Like, uh, I that was like the one of the first ones I ever played, and I was I was amazed by it. And then I was like, my friend was playing it on the PS3, and I was over his house, and I was like, I felt like I was playing a remaster, like in the truest sense, because as good as the game was and as much as I loved it, as soon as I saw it on his thing for the first time, I was like, wow, I could have played it like this and I probably would have never bought the remastered version of this. Like, it's so much better this way on the PS4, you know? Um, and that was a great, like, little trick to get me to get into the, the, the whole system, so. I wanted to, um, yeah, ask Andy a question based, I want to ask you a question based on something that you had mentioned earlier. You said that you felt like there weren't a lot of upgrades and things that can happen that are new on console other than just performance stuff and so my question is do you think that gamers will buy into the phone model of incremental upgrades every couple years when there aren't a lot of feature upgrades in your mind that are available for consoles anymore do you think think, gamers will buy into that yeah um, I think it'll end up looking more like the PC, where you're you're not set to a cycle yeah. and your increments are, like your upgrades are more piecemeal and based on like oh my hardware is getting old and it's not like running games as well as it used to maybe it's time to upgrade versus like oh this is out and I need to buy this machine to play the new game. Not everyone's going to subscribe that way. I mean, like, I think it's like, like you said, with the PC market, though, like the people who are into it and they are like, I'm a PC yeah, gamer and, I, and stuff. I they think do if, that, you know, I don't think and, people will stop playing games or buying consoles. And I think that. Um, sorry, Pete, you just like leaned away forward and I got way distracted. You got something to say? <laughs> oh, OK. I don't think people no, will. No. I don't think people will stop playing games or buying consoles. I just think that the way they do that is going to change and be different. Like, I don't... 
I also think that this might work spectacularly or it might fail for Microsoft. But I don't see a ton of ways that like the PS5 is going to be substantially different than a just beefed up PS4 with exclusives. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. So okay, um, I don't know about you guys, but in my experience, I've never had it happen where my console started to slow down or perform worse over time. I've never experienced that. Have you? I have just in the last month, and I have a launch almost the launch PS4 practically, um, like within the first year or whatever uh, model, and only in the last month have I have I noticed it um only because one of my friends uh has a brand new like spanking new ps4 pro and everything and like even pete has new ones but his haven't really like seen the difference and just seeing it on uh, the same game at a friend's house uh was was pretty noticeable and also my playstation sounds like it's launching off into space yep every time i turn it on now and i didn't realize how fucking loud it was until i was at uh even you know pete's house and stuff it's like it's just my my system is it's just so loud and i I remember one of the things that you pointed out to me was that when we stopped using my regular playstation and you switched over to my ps4 pro for our let's plays that you couldn't Mm -hmm. hear the yeah in the background that we had to take out in post right you know yeah that was a thing and then even yours wasn't that loud but like mine is twice as loud as that right and it it gives off a lot of heat when it's playing yeah actually no joke I can turn it on in the, like if in this w- last winter I have had nights where I've been cold and I don't have to walk to the hallway so I pop my PlayStation on with the with the button and I roll over and guess what just to being on is enough heat to like cook my room up you, like it's so you, it's a thing you were comparing <laughs> it to a PS4 Pro I'm talking about just your yeah that's base PS4 yeah like in compar- it's getting fucked in comparison to other PS4s that are also base yeah you're yeah. experiencing yeah now. even like Pete's uh, PlayStation 4 is better than mine. Like, just the regular one, you know? And he has a pro and a regular, too. Like, his regular is still better than mine. And I've definitely shot. noticed mine... Not necessarily, like, that its performance is, like, faltering, but that it, it doesn't keep up with modern software as well. You know, that, like, when I'm trying to play the new... Like, playing Red Dead Redemption or Spider-Man on it, like, it it, it does... it does, Not to say that it chugs, but it's slow. And it's noticeably slow. Like, load times take longer. And, like... I noticed Dude, moments where Horizon like, took so long, like fifteen oh God, minute yeah, load times ones. sometimes um, on mine, like fifteen minutes. And mine, mine was not even close to that bad, but um, there were yeah. moments where, like, yeah, like I felt the load times. Um, and with Spider Man, it would be like how fluid the motion is in that game. You know, like playing it on my PS4, I would notice like hitches in the giddy up. That's been my experience while, playing you know? uh, Red Dead Two on a base Xbox One as well. It's like most of the time, it's fine. But, like, if there's too much stuff going on, it just, like, oh boy, does it go down to, like, 10 frames a second. Yeah. Like, I would notice slowdown in Spider-Man when I was in, like, the, the gang fights and I was surrounded by people. It'd be like, oh, shit, like, we're chugging here. I, I, I'm not sure if you guys are understanding the question. I'm asking you if you experience slowdown over time compared to where you were. So you're talking about, like, a new game. So maybe it's a result no, yeah, of that. I'm talking that's my about- point. I'm talking about, I'm asking you if you're experiencing it 
in comparison to where it was before on like the same game you were playing three years ago that it's performing worse with that that's what i'm asking i've had that too yeah for sure like uh okay dishonored uh two was a good example for me that i played it like as soon as it came out and then like a year later and then like a year after that or whatever how long it's been and every time i play it uh it it definitely i have noticed like even like a three guards is enough to make the game chug like when the the swarms of uh the bees or whatever the heck they are that just them being in the room with me is enough to make the game drop like five frames i definitely uh, noticed that on bad, my xbox so. 360 my xbox 3 i bought three xbox oh, and that too. i mean and yeah yeah it was because of not just like the red ring necessarily but like i remember my second xbox 360 no i'm sorry my first one the elite when it broke i paid to get it fixed and it like started having other problems where like it wouldn't always read a disc or like you know it would like take several minutes to turn on and like stuff like that where yeah just general degradation of the the, the experience i had to go through three the 360s because of shit like that man like i i had to i never went through more consoles than the 360 i've generally had one console for its lifetime and i've almost never rebought one like i deal with the problems and i work around it because i don't i'm like i'm cheap and i'm poor a lot of times so it's like i don't have the money to do that but with 360s like i was kind enough that i had friends that like were like oh i have a spare one here take it and those broke like i've never went through that many consoles and i had to buy three of them too so like as far as 360s go in previous generations like that was a travesty like i I was not looking forward to this generation ron because of how bad like my ps3 broke a year in and like i had to like the, almost like the day of the first year and like my 360 would just something would break every single one broke in a different way and within six months and i don't move them and i don't like manhandle them i build computers i know how to treat them well and these things just exploded and it's like crazy how bad they worked so but they ran the games fine it's just they always broke in some other so way that is what i've been trying to get you guys to talk about is how it runs the games and what i'm yeah, trying to, i mean what i'm trying to say or what the point i was going towards is that the uh planned obsolescence that andy talked about doesn't happen with consoles in the same way and even with PC games like between me getting my computer two years ago and now I noticed a, a, a change in the way that it runs wow and I've never in my life experienced that with a console before where it, you know again in my experience everything else could be on fire but the games run the way they've always run and because of that it doesn't feel like there's a reason like, I have the same PS4 that I've always had. Well, I got to send it in because now um, it spits out discs. But performance-wise of the way it plays the games, it's always been the same. So for me, I never thought, like, oh, I should upgrade because the it does what it's supposed to do. And I don't think that gamers are going, uh, console gamers anyway, are going to adopt a model of incremental upgrades because there doesn't feel like there's a reason to when your console works just fine. So I I agree with you, but I think that does have a line. Cause I think like I'm I'm the, an example of where it does make sense. Cause like I've always been that same way where like even if unless my console broke, I didn't replace it. So even if I was experiencing like technical hiccups or whatever, like I would ride the ride as long as I could, you know? Um whereas with my PlayStation 4, 
that I don't think was as, as much an issue of like planned obsolescence as it was that like tech the technology advanced enough where I felt like it was worth upgrading because I bought a 4K TV because I wanted one because I saw some games in 4K at a friend's house and was like, holy shit, this looks so much better. You know, like, yeah, like, I want in on this experience. I need to get a new TV anyway for my apartment. Like, I might as well buy in, what? right? And then as a result, I was like, let me get the PS4 because it runs the games better and because I want that that experience, that top-level experience. And it wouldn't have kept me from enjoying Red Dead uh, 2 or Spider-Man or any of those games if I had played them on my PS4, but I can say it definitely gave me a better experience because I bought the PS4 Pro. What you're, and I think, to me, that is what's going to make people make the jump. What you're, yeah, but what you're talking about works once. If there was another PS4 in two years from now, would you buy that? No. Right. That's what I'm talking about. You're talking right. about one time. We've always had, okay, there's now a PS3 Slim, and those were always fine. I'm talking about what Andy's talking about, which is the consistent upgrades over time. Right. That's the conversation. So, yeah, you might, you might say to yourself, well, there's a new kind of TV out. And they just released this new console at the same time. It makes sense for me. You might say that. But are you going to say that in another two years? Or are you going to say that in two years after that? That's the problem. My counter to that is I think it depends on the games. I think if games keep getting bigger and bigger and, and requiring more under the hood to run at optimal performance, there's always that level of gamer that does care about that, that cares about the optimal performance, that cares about having it like, you know... I, it needs to be locked 60 FPS. I want, and some people want more than that now. You know, there are PC shooter players who play at like 200 FPS and all that kind of shit. And I think as long as there is a, a contingency of players that want that best, best, best optimal experience, that they will keep upgrading. And I think you're right that most gamers like that are PC players. But to me, the Xbox Elite controller that you can like take all the knobs off and screw everything on and all that fucking shit, the fact that there's a 200 hundred dollar xbox controller like that speaks to me at the fact that there are console players that do think of it that way there are console our, players one of our friends got who that. think of it that way but i think that that's a i i think that's a niche when you look at computers you can upgrade them at your will you can't do that yeah. with a console you can only but, but buy what they sell you you sorry. can't but sorry the theoretical plan we're coming up for microsoft wouldn't count on people buying the new upgrade every two years it's like i bought one you know i bought the one three generations ago and now it doesn't run games that are coming out new anymore so my options are either buy the brand spanking new one that's going to last me forever buy the bare minimum or go somewhere in the middle and i think that having more options like that is cool and I, I think one of the things that makes this interesting, and I didn't think about it until you said what you just said, Sean, it also isn't dependent on everybody upgrading because new people are always buying the console. So if you're like, yo, I didn't buy one at launch and two years in, they're like, here's the new model and it's even better. And you're like, oh, shit, OK, well, the other one's cheaper now. I'll buy that one. Or you're like, oh, well, I'm getting in at the game now. Might as well buy the fresh new one. And even if just some people upgrade. Like, if people are paying more for the new one or have the option to pay less because there's a new one, I feel like that does incentivize the train to keep rolling, you know? 
Or, like, makes it easier. It softens the blow a little bit, I guess. Because new people did buy the Xbox One X, you know, when it was new, or the Xbox One S. And, like, if there's something like that, I don't know. Like, I'm not convinced it's a good idea, but I'm also not convinced it won't work. Just because no one's tried it, and I'm interested to see what happens. I don't know that Xbox is, like... I, I just... I feel like they're in such a weird place where they're trying a lot of different strategies and seeing what sticks. Yeah, I, I think that... Uh, this generation, you know, wasn't great for Microsoft, but they're they're finishing strong and looking to the future. And I think that, like, trying it won't hurt. You know, if they end up releasing three models of Xbox that all just end up being a generation, that's not any different from what we've already had. Like, if this plan doesn't work at all, right, and they put out a new one, and then two years after that they put out a a beefier version and they don't see any change or results in that and then by the time the playstation 6 has come out it's like okay well i guess we're back on generations yeah yeah they can just pivot from doing it where a new generation is already starting makes it easy to pivot out of i think The thing that's really going to be interesting to me, too, is, and I'm interested to hear what you think about this uh, this aspect of it, Sean, is the, the cheaper model, if it is less money than the PS5, that could be really interesting for Microsoft. If there's a the, the new hot console and there's, like, the slightly downgraded version that's, like, what, like a good amount cheaper... And then the more high-end one is more analogous to the PS5. I wonder if that might win some people over. I'm inclined to say no because of the way in which I've experienced gamers buying consoles and the loyalty that they show to whatever console it is that they wave the flag of. Um, I know that for me, I would price the price of the console is irrelevant not because i have a million dollars but because even if i can't get it right away i want what i want so i'm not going to settle for less just because it's there um and i'm inclined to think that a lot of people will will do that a lot of people who like what playstation brings to the table who like the exclusives that they have uh I, i just can't imagine that many people who are PlayStation diehards would just become Xbox diehards because there's a cheaper console out there. I I, I wonder. I really do. Because I think, I think you're right that a lot of people are that way. But I think there is that middle ground of people that are way more swayable. Because you look at like how hot Xbox was last gen and how poorly they've done this gen. I think that speaks to the fact that people are yeah, diehards like, until I don't, they're given a reason to I don't teams. know... Like, I know a lot of gamers. I know maybe one or two people I'd call diehards to one console or another. But what sways those people to, like, you you mentioned how Xbox, you know, is having a rough time and they weren't last generation. What swayed people away from Xbox over to PlayStation wasn't money. So, well, for me, it was originally, though. Like, I only got an Xbox 360 because it was what I could afford. 
my parents wouldn't buy me a PS3 because it was too expensive. That's a unique experience. You're talking about being a kid who has to rely on your parents for money. I'm talking about people who have buying power who make decisions for themselves with their cash. Those people primarily make make decisions about, well, uh, you know, Sony was arrogant with PS3 and there were all these problems that they never addressed and blah, blah, blah. Whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, Xbox is arrogant. What, you know, whatever the problem is, whatever they're noticing that's an issue, that will sway their dollars in the next generation. We've talked about this a million different times, how Xbox has built up a lot of goodwill that we think might carry over when the next generation comes out. People might flock there. I think that sways a lot more of where people put their money than the but price see, I think of the console. A lot of it is momentum. And I think that with crossplay being a thing, I like growing the way it is, it's going to be less of a deal than it was in like the Xbox 360 PS4 dominance. But I think a lot of it is people just want to play games with their friends. And if I can't play with my friends who are on the Xbox 360, if I buy a PS3, I'm going to buy an Xbox 360. And if I can play with my friends and, you know, the easiest way to do that is to buy this $200, like, low model Xbox instead of uh, the $500 PS5, like, that's an easier opt-in for me than, like, if I'm on the fence, it's like, well, I want the exclusives, but my friends are on the Xbox. Oh, and this one's way cheaper Then I'm going to go with that. I could also see someone, like, making that decision as a secondary pickup. Like, if you bought the PS5 because that's what you're loyal to, but you're like, I would like an Xbox. Like, Thompson and I are always, like, looking for a reason to buy an Xbox. If they're like, well, here's a really cheap one and you can get Game Pass on it, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, I might be down for that. Yeah, if they sold, like, a, I don't know, $200 one with Game Pass and stuff, you know, like, a year after the PS5's out, um, I mean, at that point... Why not, right? But then again, hey, if it's on the Switch with the system uh, having that kind of crap on it, um, yeah, who's I, to say? I, I might, it's yeah, it's I don't know. so interesting because honestly, going into a this, lot of tipping points, yeah, yeah, and like I think about that first Sony meeting in, in February, like when they revealed the PS4, they said a lot of things I never expected. So it's like, I don't know, man. I feel like it's it's such wild west territory here, but I think I think everybody has brought up good points about where some of these strategies may or may not find success, you know, because like the market is the way it is right now, but the market also evolves, you know, like I didn't think we'd see like the dominance of like games as a service that we did this generation, you know? So it's like, there's so many things that like we truly just can't predict because we don't know where it's going to go. But uh, it's certainly an interesting conversation. It's one that I like to chew on and uh, thank you guys for indulging Cause uh, it was, it's. I, I thought this was a really fun conversation. <laughs> I know we got a little heated at some points, but that's that's the good shit. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you if you listeners at home want to let us know what you want out of the next generation of consoles, what you think about the idea of uh, ad- maybe adopting a more cell phone like strategy, or any of the kind of off the like off the wall stuff that Microsoft seems to be talking about doing right now with the streaming with you know working with the enemy in Nintendo like I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about them and, and what you think about some of the points that we've raised here this week so uh, I'd love for you guys to chime in on uh, on this one 
So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Video Game Pals. But before we get out of here, let's do some plugs. Sean? All right, cool. So if you want to hear more from me, I am the host of the Comics Pals. I've got sirens in the back. I don't know if you can hear them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. All right, cool. So if you want to hear more from me, I am the host of the Comics Pals with Pete. Uh, this week, we we had some we had some interesting conversations. We talked about the end of the Netflix Marvel relationship and whether or not those series might carry over to another platform, as rumored. We also talked about the industry of comics that's based around covering comics. So the media surrounding comics and meta how, as fuck, yeah, man. <laughs> how that affects the industry and whether or not it's actually helpful. Uh, and if you want me on social media, I'm on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about Tetris ninety nine. All right, you can find me fuck over yeah. on Twitter at Andy? Tiger underscore Millions. Also, hit me up to talk about Tetris ninety nine. It's absurd how much fun I'm having with it. Um. I'm happy to talk about whatever else, too. Thompson? Uh, you can find me at Relic Vampire on Twitter, and uh, you know you're the right place when you see Skeletor <laughs> raging at the clouds. It's my spirit animal. As for me, if you want to connect with me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come talk to me about Wargroove or uh, Tetris 99 or Kingdom Hearts 3, which I'm still chewing on. Um, I'm excited to talk about all those games right now. And uh, if you want some more content from me, like Sean said, you can catch me over on the Comics Pals. Um, we've got uh, another book club coming out Oh man, this week, I think. This week, Captain Marvel, yeah. ahead of the movie. Captain Marvel, there you go. I was not on that one, but uh, I'm sure it was a good time because the rest of those guys are staunch professionals. So uh, <laughs> go, go check it out. Those book clubs are a ton of fun, so you got time to read the book yet. Um, it's the volume two of Kelly Sue DeConnick's run, right? Uh, it is Kelly Sue DeConnick's second run with the character. Okay, which not is, volume. Right, yeah. it's like volume X of Captain Marvel, but it's Kelly Sue DeConnick's right. second. It's very confusing, guys. Yeah, but you'll 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 be able to find it. You're smart kids. Uh, and then, and then uh, you can also catch me over at LootPots.com, where I do Nintendo stuff, uh, news reviews, host their Nintendo podcast, the Potscast. Uh, go check it out. Um, and this time I'll do the plug myself because Andy's been doing it and I keep forgetting and then it turns into an awkward bit. But, uh, um, I'm also currently trying to, uh, get flown out to San Francisco to do a week's worth of content with my favorite, uh, content creators on the web, kind of funny games. Um, so if you want to show your support for me and, uh, you know, help me, help me get out there and promote, promote the, uh, the pals around the world, uh, you can go, Visit them. Uh, it's their pin tweet on Twitter, and uh, you just got to fill out a short form, you know, with why you think I'm good at what I do and deserving of the honor. Um, so I would greatly appreciate your support in that matter. Um, but that's going to wrap it up here. Until the next week, over on the Video Game Pals. Bye, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining